<laughs> Happy Monday, y'all. Welcome, welcome. Uh, it is Monday. Welcome back to Chill to Action on the Call to Action Network here with your girl. It's me, Danny Joy, hanging out here with my favorite co-host, Mr. Paul Demuthia. We're still late. We're still late by one minute. No, no. Pretty damn good. That's pretty damn good. <laughs> one minute. Good. <laughs> we did one minute. We were in the background praising. We celebrated actually. We celebrated going on time. So that's that was our downfall. But and that celebration. <laughs> well, what can I say? It's your boy. It's me. It's P. It is P L D. I'm so happy to be here. I'm actually also happy to bring on. It's been a long time since so we had a third host. I kind of had a new segment, but this was a special case. It's been a while since you've seen him on Chill, but as he likes to, well, he'll tell you himself. Let me walk you back, walk you back on to the Chill stage. President Belford. My fellow Americans, it's my honor to be back on Chill to Action because I'm only here for the good shows. And while I was gone, clearly there weren't any. But tonight, we have one of the best. It's a long time coming. People have been asking for this. They've been clamoring for it. When are you going to have this person on? And tonight, we finally were able to make it happen. You may know him from his amazing Star Star Wars, Paul. It's Star Wars, right? Star yeah, Wars, Star Wars. Wars Center, <laughs> Joseph Scrimshaw. You may know him from uh, the Schmodown. You may know him from the Afternoons with Josh, Ken, and Amanda. You may know him from the radio if you're in a small town in Pennsylvania. Uh, you all know him. You love him. You may know his name from the front of a certain book about how we love Star Wars. The, uh, his name is Mr. Ken Knapsack. He is the pit boss. And tonight, he is here with us on Chilt to Action. Welcome, sir. President Belford, thank you for that introduction. I feel honored to be introduced by a man I played in the short film Stage 4 by Amateur Hour Films. Pleasure, my friend. Pleasure. Amazing performance. Amazing. Captured it was uncanny. It was uncanny, really. It was really uncanny. <laughs> yep. Spot on. I thought I was on screen, actually. I was like, when did yeah. I do this? <laughs> they said, would you like to play this part? I said, what is it? They said, President Belford. I said, I got it. I got it. <laughs> 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 yes. Oh, Ken Napsack. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to the show. Uh, we really appreciate you coming in and hanging out with us on this happy Monday. Uh, thank you very much for having me. I I, I want to shout out uh, PLD, who's been trying to get me on for a while. And I was always like, I can't do it. Let me do it another time. Then I kind of dropped out of the industry for a couple months. And then I was like, all right, you got me. And then I had to even move that a week. So you guys, uh, thank you for Thank you for staying with me and being patient and letting me come on and have. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, we were not going to give that up. We're not. We're, we're good fishermen. We don't. We don't give up on the first try. We've got to lure you in eventually. That's that's the idea. <laughs> yanking, keep yanking your pole. What? <laughs> I know a little bit about. Can <laughs> well, can right away fitting into the podcast. Welcome, welcome. Can we, <laughs> we always like to ask the same question to everyone that comes on here? Um, a lot of people are pretty familiar with your story. The the question is usually what got you involved in Schmodown. You feel it seems like you've been involved with it since almost literally day one. Oh, since day one, yeah. Since day one, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, that's, I guess the different, the different question would be this time is almost more like, what did you think when Christian and Mark brought this to you and uh, <laughs> how it's evolved over the years? Yeah, I mean, technically not even day one, day, day like negative 23 or whatever it was. Uh, I was uh, producing the Shmosna movie show. And I just recently, I think Christian did post it on his Instagram page. 
I was going through, let's just say 5,000 emails in my uh, Gmail inbox that I hadn't gotten rid of yet. I'm one of those people. And I was like, let me do it. And I'm down to 447 right now. It's part of the wow. show. Uh, and I went through and I found the email the week of the first event, uh, which was actually the JTI versus uh, Ben Copster, now Christian Ruvacaba uh, trivia challenge. And it was an email from Christian going, I want the trivia to start this week. Let's put it in the show. And I, all right, great. I'll do it. And that was the first time that really did start it. Cause that got, Ellis and Christian thinking like, how do, how do we, it was really fun. How do we do that again? And then I was in the first official match with uh, Katie Sackoff. So yeah, right. they won and, and, and earlier. Wow. That's almost like you got to print out. I feel like if there's ever going to be a Schmodown Hall of Fame, if we keep on this trajectory, that'd be like one of the prize pieces right. you really well, want to see, right? Yeah, you're right. I send it to him. I just like, uh, you know, life gets busy and Christian's raising kids and I'm raising chihuahuas. And I was like, hey, man, you know, uh, it's it's been a bit here. Here's this uh, here's this thing, man. You got to keep this. This is, this is awesome. And, uh, uh, you know, I also found a picture recently of him, Mark Ellis and me on set for Grassman at Straws in 2007, where Schmoes kind of came out of their kind of working together. So, yeah, the history is there. And, and uh, you know, I got to tell you, I, no one we had no idea. We had no idea. And I remember the, the, the bit was just one of the many bits on the show that we did contest bets and all this kind of crazy things. And and one was like, hey, we think we might do this, do a little tournament. Christian called me and I was like, I don't, you know, sure, whatever, man. I don't know. And he's like, you'll, you'll be against Katie. I was like, count me in. Let's do it. Let's <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I think you have like a knack for taking things or being a part of things that like, you're like, I don't know where this is going to go, but well, let's just do it. And they kind of work out because that's kind of like how the afternoon started out, which is like you and Josh, we're going to do a, a podcast and we'll just see where it goes. And now X number of episodes later, you've added a co-host and uh, you know, you've, you've had, you've gone through Josh having to be away from the show and coming back and the show's still going strong. So, yeah, I mean, to be fair, that one started because we both lost our jobs. Uh, that's a motivator. Uh, <laughs> hey man, you want to do a show? Cause it's all we have. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I know what you mean. And, and that's the fun part of life. That's the journey. You look back and, you know, Christian, one of the, the, the best things about Harloff is is he's he's going to grab his folks. He's going to try to carry him across the finish line to the very end. Uh, and sometimes he yanks really hard to get you in. And sometimes you jump in easily. And I, you know, I met Christian 2003, 2004. We started doing stand up regularly in 2005. You just don't know. I met Mark Ellis at the comedy store in 2003 and thought, well, that unfunny guy's not going anywhere. So <laughs> you. You just never know, and that's where life life takes you where you need to be. But also, that's the importance of, of I think just being present and try to treat everyone as they uh, deserve, and hopefully they treat you well back. And uh, that, that's been the journey. It's been part of the fun. That's great, man. That's great. Well, what has been since you since you have been around since day one? What has been your favorite memory in the showdown? Like your biggest moment? You're like, this is this is the one that for me. The best, my favorite memory. Yeah. Um, you know. There's some personal ones, you know, with, uh, you know, the match against Whitwer, the Star Wars celebration thing, which was kind of crazy. Packed room, a lot. They had to turn people away. And, and we were late trying to get to the floor because, you know, in Orlando, the hotels are all different spots. And I had switched hotels. Like we were in a house and I, I ended up in a room with David Griffin and Christian Ruvacabo. Actually, like this suite we're sharing everything. It sounds glamorous right um but we we're racing <laughs> there and that's the first day i met alex and molly damon and i had just wow. been a fan of them and i think we may maybe we met at the meet and greet at, a, at ellis's comedy show the night before or later i can't remember but i think that's the first time we met in person if i'm if i'm remembering alex telling me that story too and i got them out i stuck them in 
to the oh, back. Wow. <laughs> and I had been a fan of his YouTube channel because I used him to study. And I was like, come on. I think from, from the day I pointed, I said, I think that that guy over there is the one who should be keep competing in here uh, down the line. And and now Molly, too, I'm so glad has become known as a Star Wars fan to her, unto herself, not just um, uh, as part of that, that Star Wars complaint team. Uh, so that's where it all began. So there's those kind of memories. But there's also the ones of just seeing it work. And I'm some, I'm not as closely involved with it as, as I was back in the day. And so I come back in, I'll swing through a live event or something like that. And just the live events changed the game. I don't know if people really realized how that the, the, the YouTube version would have gone on and still is going on. And they're, look, they're adapting so well to doing it uh, all digital, right? But the live event kind of most of the original cast and crew of that show are performers we're live performers we're comics we're stage performers live performers stage performers uh actors and all those kind of various things and and so to feel the energy of the crowd not just not saying from like the crowd ego but just like to like feel the energy right there and to have the crowd give back to you right in that moment we all that first event in los angeles which was hard to hard to sell out la is hard to sell tickets to everyone's got something to do everyone's got a one-man show they got to go to or stand-up comedy at a laundromat to go to to get people there backstage, the feeling was, I remember standing with Matt notes and we were watching on a monitor, the monitor, the match. And he just goes, I, I would do this every week or every month if this was what this was. Uh, and I was like, Oh, absolutely. This changed the game. And it reinvigorated so many of us with the showdown. that kind of moment. The free for all uh, was great. I did, I showed up late. I had a fan, <laughs> I had a fantasy baseball draft that day and I showed up late. Um, <laughs> this is the one in Los Angeles. And I, I got there and we were standing around, I just was looking at it and it just looked so good. And then afterwards we're in a bar and I, I did just go up to Christian, put my arm, arm around him. I was like, you know, uh, this is going to frustrate you. Uh, you. You are Vince McMahon, meaning people are going to sling every arrow they can at you because you're the man in charge, but it's all worth it for days like this. And it looks so good. And you're getting the next step. And those are the moments too, that I love. How uh, was the, uh, how was the combining of your two worlds of professional or uh, independent wrestling and, and the showdown when we went to Houston and it was in that Booker T's gym. And that crowd honestly felt like a, like independent wrestling crowd from like yeah, yeah. arena or yeah. um, um, what's the one I get pro, pro wrestling gorilla kind of thing. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So I have a long history with wrestling. You mentioned pro wrestling gorilla pro wrestling gorilla was founded by six guys who used to wrestle for a company. I co-owned in 2001 two. I was less involved back then in 2010 to the 14. I co-owned and co-ran this company called millennium pro wrestling. And those guys, disco machine, Excalibur, super dragon. Uh, they all came out of that. And when our, our fed folded in 2002, they went like, what do we do? And so they started their own. They were going to call it MPW 2.0, and they changed the name to Pro Wrestling Gorilla. So I have a big ties to pro wrestling. And so it's always interesting because I sometimes makes me, the Schmodown makes me more frustrated as a wrestling fan because I don't think everyone kind of gets it at times. <laughs> Great convergence. But I think it was annoying because there was uh, a couple of us there, you know, uh, who – when you get to a wrestling arena, that's like someone's house and there's some re weird rules and some weird kind of uh, things you do or do not do. And I think some of us and, and Brad Gilmore was there kind of overseeing it because he's kind of the connection there. You know, we're not being mean about it, but there's just, you know, you don't get in that ring unless you brush your boots off. You don't get in that ring. If you do, that's not because it's dirty. It's disrespectful to Booker T in yep. his house. And there's a lot of things like that. Uh, the wrestling locker rooms are a weird place. And so it was fun. It was fun to see. I've been hit 
in a with a chair so many times. I'm looking across. You can't see. There's a picture on my wall of my friend hit me in the head with a trash can, uh, and a 400 pound Samoan doing a standing insult onto me. I've got these pictures hanging on my wall. So I've been through it. I've been in some hardcore matches, all that kind of stuff. And so to watch Andrew Guy, Ben Bateman, John Roca, and Dan Merle try to go through some wrestling spots in the ring <laughs> was one of the moments I'll never forget. We were all nervous. Everyone was nervous. No one wants to get hurt. Right. And then first, first, the first go around, Andrew Guy busts his lip open. Yeah. And not, not even his fault. And not that, you know, Roca can go and, and, and Andrew Guy and, and Bateman are, are good fit guys. It was fun to see Merle go, I don't think I want to choke slam someone through a table. It was four, four guys that, uh, you know, that I respect trying to work their way around a ring, which is different if you've never been in one. It's, it's right. not it's unlike any, the ropes will bruise you. And so to see that, I just was on the side of the ring, like I always do before independent wrestling show when I was a co-promoter and book and everything. And I was a manager, a character tech study for a long time. You just, you sit on the side of the ring and you just hear the sounds. I love it. I love it. It's like a pre, it's like baseball watching batting practice. And I'm just sitting there, Brad Gilmore, just like, Oh man, I hope no one dies. <laughs> I, I, I got hit in the head with a chair so hard in uh, 2010. My head was swollen for three days and I had a laceration on my head. Uh, thank you to uh, Adam Pierce, former NWA champion, for doing that. And uh, you know, yeah, so I know I know how it can go wrong. And um, it was it was it was fun though. It was fun. <laughs> I'm a I'm a small person. I feel like I, I would fly through the ropes like i don't feel like i would be supported at all like i imagine you could do that very well yeah if you hit it the right way danny you'd be just fine but you would be surprised you will be bruised for days they're they're hard they're cables they're cables which is tape on it and nowadays you know back in 83 the ropes would have a lot more give and yeah that's the first thing people are surprised about when you well, i mean i'm gonna run the ropes like and, and you got a, a mark a mark for days but yeah but I love it. It's it's a convergence of, of, of two things I love. And uh, if ever, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm on my, uh, you know, we can talk about my overall feelings of the Schmodown. It's a thing I love. And one of the things that I keep coming back for is just every once in a while having fun with the promo. The promo, the promo in quarantine was fantastic. <laughs> I argued for that in our debate session. We had, we had the Schmobates or debate show. And I, we had that was one of the questions we had, and that was the one I ran with because it, it was so perfectly done. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was like I always say, I don't do promos, and that's one of the things you know. And that's a weird, almost pretentious artist thing to say, but I just tell stories, and that's what's real. And that's what uh, Roddy Piper did. That what all the yeah. great wrestlers, CM Punk's pipe bomb speech. It's all real stories. You're putting, yeah, you're putting them into a performance um, type of thing, and and that's what that 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 promo was. It was I knew what was happening. I was being fed to the wolves uh, to help build new talent, and which, by the way, is something I believe in. It was something happy to do. It's just you know, let me let me speak up for myself here as before you throw me into the arena. <laughs> well, I'm so glad you did do that because I know that like. I mean, it's always been a balance between the wrestling angles and the, the sport sport angles. And sometimes it goes a little more sport. Sometimes it goes a little more wrestling and everything. Mm -hmm. But we really need uh, – a lot of people don't have that skill set. They're more – they're just pundits who do trivia. and They don't quite have that hack. We have a few people like yourself, like an Andrew Guy, uh, some people like that who actually know how to really deliver that kind of material. And it makes it – it's so beneficial to the league. I think that it's missing something when it's not there. Uh, do you see, like, how the balance is working? Do you, do you like the balance? now would you like the balance to be a little more 
like central maybe? I mean, what do you think? They, they are where they are, right, where they need to be right now. I always say, you've heard me say in other spots, I think I said it in my Star Wars match at the end, I hope one day to be in attendance at Madison Square Garden where 10,000 people are screaming for the showdown. I, and, and Christian Harloff will not stop if he believes in something. That's that's one of the things I've loved about that guy for, for gosh, almost close to 20 years now. So that's possible. To get there, I think it needs to be more sport than pro wrestling. It is. It could be a little weird uh, if you're just flipping by and you're seeing these promos and what's going on because it's a balance. I remember early on there was some other channel. Don't even know, and I'm not even making fun of it. Not even said they they tried to do their own version of it, and it was just total sketch comedy. And you might have heard me in other shows saying, eh, "I miss the days when the Shimona was just sketch comedy." It never was. It was always real. I was in a in a uh, Airbnb in Orlando cramming studying the final night before that five-way battle at the Orlando Star Wars celebration and John's uh, and and Fernandez were in another room studying as well we were all taking it so and I'm a sports guy I'm a competitive guy uh, as well so that's there but what I've always agreed with and what there's it's it's sometimes a tough balance but I've always agreed with Christian that you need to have the personalities and that's what's going to keep people coming back. Now, sports can create its own personalities. Uh, UFC, mixed martial arts, creates personalities, and the bouts are not predetermined, at least as far as we know. Boxing might be a different story. Um, but you need the people to tune in to come back. And Christian was blessed early on to be surrounded by us uh, and entertainers and uh, comics and actors and, and people with a flair for performing, and that kind of helped boost it. That's not to slight the current generation that doesn't have those those that skill set because even there's a finer finer point to the skill set of pro wrestling talk. You know, uh, I'm a stickler for never talking down to your opponent, never just saying I'm going to kick your ass because what's that worth? It's the old Roddy Piper kind of thing. I'm a big Paul Heyman pr promo fan where you're always wrestling is always promoting the next match, the next event, the next city. That's how you make your living. And I take that in the showdown too, where all my promos leave a door open either way for the story. Uh, where I know where Christian wants to go. But if I win, I would upset. You know, if I won some rounds in that tournament, we have to adjust. If I lost, we have to go with the story. So every one of my promos, if you if you go back and watch what I do, which why would you do that? Go on with your life. Uh, <laughs> they all, they're telling a choose-your-own-adventure kind of story if I'm doing it right. Sometimes I don't do it right. Um, but anyways, I don't want to go on. I want to monologue here. I'm so sorry. But I'm, I love it. Keep yeah, going. Be <laughs> The Schmodown is, is where it, it needs to be right now, which is mostly on the real side of it. And you're going to have some personalities and you're going to find some diamonds in the rough will come in off the street or come in from the fan leagues who know how to perform. I don't want to sound like I'm slighting anybody there, but in the early days, we are, we are all professional entertainers. And now it's like, Oh, on Friday we go do this silly little thing. But then it got serious. And, and Roca comes in with the study and, and, and everyone um, talks about how he changed the game because he did. Rachel Cushing comes in. Rachel, Rachel to this day is like, I don't want to be a performer. I'm <laughs> now award nominated editor. I just know these answers. Right. Uh, and to watch her grow from you, you guys, you guys don't even know from behind the scenes of how far she just grew into herself as a performer. And it was still tough for her. That was one of the the fun things to do is to watch her kind of grow as a performer too. So it wasn't like everyone was just a stand-up comic like me and Mark Ellis making stupid jokes at the beginning. There were pundits who would never acted or never been. There's people who hate pro wrestling who are in the schmo now right. and they go to the promos. It's a big amalgamation of a lot of different kind of styles and Christian and the team have to kind of uh, corral those styles. But right now, with the draft and all that stuff, I think it turned it into something else, and that I think overall is very good.
so you talked about um the Schmodown not not really being staged or anything like that. And that's one of the favorite things for a lot of the fans is that the, that this the sport does have like a real element to it. And I think one of the one things that a lot of people, one of the one moments that a lot of people always go back and talk about that I just really would love to get your opinion on was the Andrew Guy-Dan Merle match. Like everyone talks about Christian's face during that match and just watching it just kind of sit down. <laughs> into just dust yeah his marking yeah. title fight going up in flames yeah, <laughs> yeah. let me take a, a, a sip of whiskey Palace <laughs> <laughs> saloon prescott arizona uh merchandise cup um yeah i was i was not in the studio that day i was in the um like big giant green room part of the collider studio watching with a monitor and yeah we were all laughing <laughs> This is not to take anything away from Andrew Guy as a competitor. Yeah. Uh, don't forget, my, I think the first Nerds Watch match was against him and Ben. Mm -hmm. And even though I think they lost, because I think people sleep on how much stupid new movie knowledge I have from like the 90s, 2000s and that kind of stuff. They lost they, just in terms of what they know. The, don't even factor in what they bring to it in form of entertainment. What they know is, is real. So for Andrew to get a win was not the big upset. But Dan is Dan. I worked with Dan for years. That guy lives and breathes numbers and movies and directors' names and everything. So, yeah, uh, to Christian's credit, he'll always think long-term, but he always knows Buster Douglas can knock out Mike Tyson and everything changes. So there was that. And it was um, – there's things probably I won't say and can't say. That was a tense day and a tense moment. Uh, and there's a lot of times where the schmodown gets real. It's like that old real-world promo. Let's, you know. Let's start getting real. True. Um, <laughs> it's real personalities and it's real um, competitive stuff going on. So yeah, that was a, that was an interesting day. But yeah, Christian's face put that all of fame. That's the kind of thing that makes the schmodown like even like or the real element of it because those underdog matches like that when that happens that's what gets people talking. If Dan Merrill beats Andrew Guy, like that's oh, a good match and they did it performing well. But all of a sudden this is like you know the shot that's right like holy shit this happened. Yeah. So it's a, it's those moments that actually get you going and keep you keep you going at that point. But it did teach Christian a lesson, I guess, <laughs> a little bit. Was, you know, things happen, and he loves it. Like he he loved like when we were talking before uh, that my promo for the Star Wars term was kind of true. I was like, man, I'm done. Just uh, you know, put me in the announcers booth. Well, you know, we have you. you know, I'm gonna put you in the tournament. Ah, oh, come on, man. All right, yeah, I'll do it. Uh, and then he was, uh, you know, he texts and calls, and 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 I said, I put promos in. It was just like, you know, I don't think I'm gonna win, man. He's like, yeah. But what if you do? <laughs> and this is his mad genius where you're like, nah, I don't. Yeah. What if I do? <laughs> um, does it at least sting a little less uh, that loss knowing that the person who you lost to won the tournament? Yeah, it does from like a sports ment mentality. Like if you're going to lose, I want that team to go on and win the Super Bowl as a Miami <laughs> Dolphin fan. I always we always lost to the Buffalo Bills and that didn't turn out well for us in terms of them winning. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, she lost, lost to like San Francisco in the Super Bowl that one right. year. That was yeah. exactly. Um, I love Andres Cabrera. I, I've worked with this guy for years. I was the first one he talked to uh, at uh, I think uh, L.A. Comic Con when he was in town. He, he had a production gig over at a, a, a TV station, the QU was called who he worked for a friend of mine michelle Ehrman, who was the producer and i was like oh i know michelle and and he was like i want to help i want to help and 
And I'm not taking credit for it. It was just like one of those, like we always kind of, we didn't right away. It was took a couple months and then we reached out, brought him in and, and he's an intense guy. And we sometimes will, will hack on him for his uh, jug of water that he used to always bring to the studio. And he's just, he's very serious. He's very focused. Um, but I've worked with him on, on Game of Thrones stuff and Star Wars stuff. And this guy is a deep thinker. He's an intelligent guy. He's thoughtful. He's so smart. And he knows this stuff. And he couldn't crack the schmo down. Uh, he wasn't getting the spots, wasn't getting the matches. When he'd get them, he'd lose. And, you know, you're busy. You can't study. He worked hard. At one point, he was, like, in development at this company and everything. Times have changed. We're all kind of, um, you know, scrambling for work at times. Some of us, uh, you know, coming up, He, you know, I know he's um, he's trying to make things work. And so he was like, all right, let me do this. And, and I know he... Winston kind of, and that was a, that's a real relationship there. I'll be, I, I, I'm an interim manager right now. We can talk about it. I'll be open about it. Um, but Winston's really connected with his team and with Ace particularly. And, and I'm so happy. I, I loved everyone in the tournament. I think they're all talented folks and great. And any one of them would have been a great winner of the tournament. A uh, big fan of what Laura Kelly brings to the Star Wars tournament. Big fan of Molly Damon and everyone. Adam Witt and I are, are your brothers from another solo. So uh, we uh, <laughs> loved it. But Andres Cabrera needs his day in the sun. He is so good. And the industry, not just Schmodown, the industry has ignored him. And no more. No more. And I think this was what he needed and he deserved it. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that you just mentioned you might as well bring it up. You, you were an interim manager, so you have no plans to manage next year. Then at this point, that's what you're. No, I have no plans. Um, it's, I wonder if Christian's watching. He'll, does he watch later? Does he give you notes? To what's going on? Um, uh, yeah, occasionally, occasionally, might pop in. <laughs> Chris and I yeah, have known each other since I think I first saw him in like 2003 or four when he was the king of the comedy store, and then we we meet again, and he's one of the, one of my favorite comics to watch of all time, by the way. Um, so we have we have a we have a brotherly relationship that sometimes means we throw food at each other. Um, um, I saw what was happening. Uh, no need to go into it, but I saw what was happening online, and uh, you know I had just been traded. Um, and uh, Sam Sam Levine had called me to be like, "Hey, buddy, how you doing?" I'm like, "You've never called me. We're talking about the Cubs. What are we doing?" Uh, <laughs> no, I'm here to let you know I'm, I'm trading you. I was like, "I'm still on your team." <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, man. Sounds good. Um, and so I kind of saw the right on the wall, um, but I, I'm an interim manager. I'm interim coach. I am the retired crusty baseball manager who's been pulled out of the stands and said, could you just kind of calm things down? Because it was a very, we, again, we, we, we shouldn't go into it. We can't go into it. It was a very tense real world situation going on. Right. And with a company involved now, Skybound, everything. And so there's a lot of other people who could have, who could have taken the job. And I think those people, there's a lot of people out there. They still might be in running. Um, but Christian and Mark know me. They know me for 15 years now. It was one of those things of, can you do this? And I said, no. Can you do this? I said, no. I was in my gym, in my gym, in my garage here, on my uh, little uh, bench there on the phone. And Christian's like, just give me that rah-rah speech. He's so good. I was just like, look. Uh, and I had texted Ellis too. Like, will this help you? Yes, it will help me. So it's like, okay, happy to do it. Happy to do it. It's fun. Um, you know, uh, I, am I am I going to take uh, take the buzzers home and practice with anyone like the old days? No. Uh, are we going to hold team meetings? No. Um, that's not what I'm here for. Uh, I have someone in mind who I hope to hand the reins over. There's a. Uh, it's I don't want to say it because I don't know I'm doing it. It's someone uh, new to the Schmodown, but not a fan of it. 
um, who has a uh, son in the Schmodown, actually. So I have talked to that person and they're interested. They're just a, a working producer in Hollywood. So um, it would be a great fit. It'd be really cool, but we'll see. Now, that said, come the draft. Christian Christian could find a way to convince me to do anything. So we'll <laughs> you never well, know. you said working producer in Hollywood. I was hoping it was Josh McCuga's dad, but I guess, you know, I guess that's not it. No. <laughs> I would love John McCuga to manage in the schmuck. <laughs> I mean, he can sell, he can sell cars. He can manage. He sold pacers. That's right. <laughs> There you go. John Miller, of the showdown. Oh, there we go. Yeah. favorite storyline, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, and you're right, Gilbert. I do. I would agree that you being your manager is obviously the move to make at that point. It made, just made all the sense in the world. So I don't think it was anybody shocked when they uh, they did name you. So, um, but he does. You're a steadying hand. It's exactly using that terminology. The, the crotchety baseball fan <laughs> manager comes out to study the team. It's perfect in there. Um, how do you feel about the Brandon Hanna situation? How that's how you guys are bouncing off each other with the Brandon wanting to be the manager, the yield the year tactics he's trying to use. Are we bouncing off each other? Is that what <laughs> Yeah. Have you ever been at a campfire and that one little gnat keeps going around your soda? I'd like to drink my cherry cola here, please. Nat. Um, I don't know. I, I'm so bad. As much as I believe in wrestling and kayfabe and everything, and, and uh, I, I think I, I'm one of the rare ones who actually have earned the right to use the term kayfabe. Um, uh, Brandon is a great guy. Uh, Brandon's doing some good work. Um, is, is it heat or go away heat? You tell me, but heat is heat because now people know his name and before they didn't know him. So I think there's something to it. But if he wants to step to me, if he wants to try to talk to me, he wants to out promo me, you know, I'll just bring out the old mask, the bathrobe and head out to the backyard. And, <laughs> and not have to use a teleprompter. But <laughs> I've, I've, Yeah, God, look, I, that's it's each own. I've never planned one word in any promo ever. So that's interesting. That's what you have done. All right. Well, you know what? Uh, we have you under a big love, um, and you you know a lot about it. I love it too, obviously. Um, Star Wars, sure. Wrote a book. How did that come about? You decided like you're going to sit down. I know you did all your shows that I counsel for Center, and then but then how did the book come about? That's what I want to hear about. Yeah, yeah, and don't forget Jedi Alliance with Mod Garrett back yeah. Lance as well. Um, it came about. This sounds. I keep telling the story, but it's, it sounds like a joke, but it's true. I got. I, I lost my job at Collider, and like. You you know you're out and about you're you're scrambling for forty bucks to at a at a freelance hosting job like please can I do can I do SJU and talk about Batman just for some food money and trying to figure it out and I didn't want to go back to uh, my old line of work or you know get a shift at Starbucks not that I wouldn't and not that I'm above that but it was just like let me try to figure out some what what is my legacy what do I want to do what did I move here to do in town. And uh, writing a book and, and talking about Star Wars, all that kind of stuff, it's, it's something that's close to my heart and something I've always wanted to do. But, you know, you don't feel you can do it. You, you know, you don't have the opportunities. Those are, those are far, far and few between. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it was the hardest thing, one of the hardest things I've done professionally once I actually got to do it. Uh, it came about this way. Uh, I waited. I waited. I had this idea. I had uh, not, and it wasn't just the Star Wars book. It was a book, just a book. I had a few ideas. I was like, I think I want to do this. No, I can't. I want to do this. I suck. I can't. I can't do this. I should do this. I am a failure. I cannot do this. Um, so I reached out to my friend Alicia Malone. A lot of you remember Alicia, Red Fury. 
And uh, she had written two books with a, a smaller independent publishing company out of Miami called Mango Publishing. Uh, our old pal Chris Stuckman wrote a book and he had recommended her. And so I went to her and said, we had launch. And I just said, I think I can do this. She said, I know you can do this. And she sent an email to an editor there, her editor, and we talked and, and I sent some stuff over. They found out who, uh, you know, just kind of looked at where it was. And I was like, I have a lot of different ideas, but you know, like Star Wars makes sense. I was like, yeah, you're right. I guess it makes sense. Got to leverage some sales and a couple meetings. And this is, again, you don't know where life goes. It wasn't a sure deal. I had a meeting with all the team in Miami uh, on a Zoom call or Skype or whatever it was back then and someone in New York. And it was like eight people and then the ninth person in New York. We go around and introduce each other. Uh, or they introduce themselves. And the last person is like this. She's like, my sister and I watch Collider all the time. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, great. She's like, ah. And so, you know, you never know. The journeys, uh, the people you meet, the jobs you get, the jobs you lose, it's all part of it. Uh, you can never be upset about losing a job in Hollywood because you know, that's the name of the game. And so that's where it came to be. And then I started the writing process. It's a very quick writing process. I mean, I'm not, I wish I had two more months. I'm not super happy with everything in there. You never are. There's um, some big grammatical. I also write speeches. I don't write books. Even when I did the audio book, the engineer was like, you know, when you read it, it uh, sounded better than it looked on the page. I'm like, thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm a speech writer. I'm a speech writer. You know, I got to learn the craft of, of writing books a little bit more. This is my first go. So I had to get over all that. And then there you, go. you hear my self-loathing. You hear the self-doubt. It's there. It's out. It's a it's a legacy thing, um, you know, uh, and that's that's how it came to be. Nice. Um, I uh, I recently saw something online that said uh, people with anxiety like to watch the same TV shows over and over again because it's whatever, whatever. Uh, that is what I have developed with your book. Uh, I have your audio book and I listened to it as soon as I got it. I listened to it and listened to all of it. Loved it. I'm not the residential star wars person here that goes to paul right oh. up there so i always like to consider myself a padawan in the star yeah. wars universe very very low knowledge to it so there are a lot of things inside of your book that that led me to uh clone wars clone wars is what i got into from your book i had never seen anything from clone wars before i um, listened to some of your chapters about ahsoka tano had always heard stuff about ahsoka and and really kind of your book allowed me to to find different things about star wars and really helped me as a new fan of star wars fall in love with the franchise i have friends that talk about it all the damn time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, everywhere. It's it's abundant in my life. A lot of my friends talk about it. Um, not just Paul, but everywhere. But your book really, as soon as I listened to it, I wanted to support you, especially being with Schmodown and all of that stuff. So as soon as you announced it, I pre-ordered it, did all of that stuff. And then I listened to it uh, cover to cover or from what, second to second, I guess, when I know the book. <laughs> and and it and it really helped me uh, figure out uh, different things about Star Wars and really fell in love with it. So thank you so much for it. I also it's one of those things that I listen to to fall asleep because it's just soothing. <laughs> I almost have an ASMR voice. Uh, can uh, I'm talking to my producer, Petey. Petey, can we clip that out and make that, a, <laughs> uh, make that an ad? Can we make that an ad? Mango would love that. Mango would love that. Um, that thank you. Grace walking by looking at you like, who's Petey? <laughs> many characters in my brain. Um, thank you, Danny. That means a lot. It means a lot 
especially because though I'm an old school Star Wars fan, uh, born in 76. So uh, Star Wars has been in my life forever. I, I, I think it's very important. In 2015, it became very apparent that Star Wars was about the next generation. And this gets to go on if we let it go on and we help it go on. I am fascinated with entry points into Star Wars. Uh, Clone Wars is an entry point. I think I was in Houston at the Shimoda event. Someone was talking to me about it. And they're like, you know, the first Star Wars I ever saw was Clone Wars. I was, I was young. I didn't know what I didn't know there was movies. Clone Wars was how I got into it. Ahsoka Tano is a great character, one of my favorite characters, teaching some powerful lessons, especially season seven of Clone Wars. Gosh, I'd love to go back and write some of the stuff there. Yeah. Uh, so that's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's my journey, but I hope everyone can find their journey within it. So thank you for the kind words. Well, I also say as someone who's born in 76, I love the fact that in, in times that, you know, we've had some toxicity, of course, we've had some gatekeeping, some whatever, but I love the positivity that you bring. That like, The whole the whole fact that your book is named why we love star wars is is such an important thing for people like danny for people like go oh, i want to get into star wars i want to get everybody into star wars if you don't know it or don't like it find something you do like because there's so much in there you can like mm -hmm. so yeah shout, shout out to mango from i had a different uh title planned it was like why i know star wars better than you jerks and change it to why we love star wars it was good maybe as a heel and maybe you could use that title more but just like you're a godfather in the schmodown you're also now a godfather of schmodown people writing books for mango publishing because after you wrote one now jason inman has one and brad gilmore has one and well, <laughs> no well that's funny is inman and i got the deals our deals at the same time Okay. okay. I think we alluded too, but we were at, I want to say we were at the first live event. I'd have to track the time. It was either the first or second one because it was at the LA event uh, in, in North Hollywood. We were talking backstage, just catching up, you know, and uh, he's like, What you up to? And I was like, oh, I'm starting to, I'm going to actually write a book. And he's like, Ah, oh, me too. And I was like, Yeah, it's with this company called Mango Publishing. And he's like, Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there was a chance, or a slight chance, our books gonna, were going to be released on the same day. And I think his get bumped back. A week or move or a month or moved up a month. I can't remember. But yeah, we actually wrote those. We became book writing brothers, and we'd uh, text each other a lot or communicate a lot when we saw each other in person about uh, about that. It's a hard thing. I, I had two legitimate, no no joking breakdowns during the writing process of that book. Um, head in pillow on bed, crying, going, "I what am I doing? I can't do this. I can't do this because you just can't get the thoughts out, and it's a struggle. And it took a lot. My podcast suffered. I didn't. I wasn't able to concentrate on that much anymore. It's it, it was it was a rewarding experience because of that, but it was it was hard to do. Um, and uh, Brad too, Brad, Brad, I, Brad, I didn't help Brad. Brad helped himself. Brad's a go getter. He called me. Was like, so anyways, I reached out to Mango Publishing. I'm writing a book with them. I was like, you did what? It <laughs> <laughs> works that way. What are you talking about? Um, and I love his book too. So yeah. I feel like that's Brad. Brad's the kind of guy who sees somebody do something. He's like, well, if that guy can do it, then I can do it. I'll do it too. <laughs> <laughs> He, I wish I, I wish I had his hair. I wish I had his looks, his suits. Uh, and God, uh, he is, uh, he's, you know, in this town, this industry, sometimes your walls go up whether you want to or not. And you meet someone and you're like, they suck. I hate them. Um, and it really is because you're threatened or you're jealous. And, and I suffer from it all the time. And other people suffer from all the time. You have to battle for it. It, it is like Star Wars, uh, light and dark side. And, and you need to go towards the light when you can. Brad, when I finally met him, and I didn't have any negative thought. I was just like, who's again? Christian's like, yeah, this guy's really good. And he works with Booker T. And I love Booker T. He used to watch Ebony Experience and Global, for God's sakes, when he and Stevie Ray were tagging there. 
in the sportatorium. And so I was like, yeah, great. And so he showed up and he just, he just looked at him and was like, yeah, this, this kid's everything. And he's so great. He's so fun to talk to. Uh, and uh, I really, uh, really proud of what Brad uh, did in that. But he, he wrote, wrote that book, like here I am like on a couch in my apartment writing and crying. And he's like in a stadium covering the rockets and he's writing as well. <laughs> yes. Big shout out to Brad Gilmer, Texas forever. <laughs> and I didn't say that part. I didn't say that part. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Danny will definitely add that on to everything she can. So <laughs> I do. I spent I spent a little time in Dallas, Fort Worth, in two thousand eight. Last time I was there, and I loved it. Ten Star Tacos, Executive Tacos at Ten Star. Great. <laughs> you, you can find good tacos in Dallas. It's yeah. few and far between. I will say few and far between. I live in the city. I'm South Texas, so yeah, I'm kind of. <laughs> Brad also doesn't like Whataburger, so or uh, not a uh, not Whataburger, um, In and Out Burger. So you two have that in common as well. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I can't stand In and Out Burger, so yeah, I'd rather have a Whataburger any day. Oh, there you go. Cut that out. Cut clip that out. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of people in the Action Army that tend to have a big fight over uh, those two in there. <laughs> I know, you know, and it's funny, and then people I'll tweet some out or make a joke, and then it'll get really serious, <laughs> and then I fall for too. Because I love, bear with me here, one of my favorite pizzas is Canadian bacon and pineapple. Pineapple. In fact, tonight I cook tacos and pineapple. Pineapple makes things better. And people come out and I'll get really mad. I'll start getting really mad about the, the, the people's hate of pineapple on pizza. So I understand. <laughs> that is also a very heated debate in our circle. Okay. Okay. <laughs> As well. We, we actually do talk food a lot. That food definitely comes up quite a bit in our conversation. Every one of my Twitch streams ends with me just talking about food because I usually have not eaten yet. So, Ken, do you have a favorite stadium food? Yeah. Um, I love Dodger dogs plain. Now, on my normal hot dogs, if I'm in New York, Times Square, I don't like the pizza in New York as much. It's, it's good. Like, Don't get me wrong. But I'd rather go to Times Square the heart of tourism and get a, get a hot dog from a stand. Um, and I slather it with anything. And, and if it get me, if it can give me heartburn or I'll poop on a subway, I want that on my hot dog. <laughs> but at Dodger stadium, because of the crowds and the lines, I have a tactic. I'll get two Dodger dogs. I put nothing on them. I just go back to my seat. Cause I skip around the line and I just get everything on it. But my favorite stadium food, and I don't even know if it's an option anymore. Again, Dodger stadium. I've been to a lot of West Coast stadiums, uh, and I'm a Yankee fan. Go figure. Uh, fourth inning, I had my I had my snacks planned. Third or fourth inning, I would go to Carl's Jr., which was at, at the time I think maybe it still is. It was like a sponsored deal with Dodger Stadium, and I'd get a cold double Western cheeseburger that was just sitting there, <laughs> all wrapped up. Because everyone's like still getting their main meal, or, or thing. and then and then you have to. And here's the key. PLD, you're going to agree with me here. You have to get your cup, uh, your your baseball cup of ice cream before the fifth inning. Oh, God, yeah. Everyone switch to dessert mode. Go in there yeah. early. Get your dessert early at the stadium. 110% on that. Pro tip for you, Ken. Uh, when we, I used to go to the Philly. I grew up near the Philly Stadium, so we'd go to Philly's games all the time. They have Dollar Dog Night there. <laughs> I'm sorry, too, actually. Yeah. It's, I, I went to the Vet, so the worst stadium in the history of sports. How many batteries did you throw at Milt Tom? Um, you know, I may have hit Santa Claus in the head with a snowball once or twice. It's fun. Um, but on dollar dog night, you know, the condiment bar is atrocious. It's packed. You can't get anything for your dog. So we would just bring our packets of mustard with us yeah. and then you have them ready to throw it on the dog. 
It's a little too If I go to Subway and I and I don't I don't go to Subway much, but I do enjoy a deli sandwich and I'll I'll enjoy whatever Subway calls a deli sandwich. If if there's a lunch line, what I do is I get up, I order the tuna sandwich, risky, but then I skip in front of six people and cash out and get the hell out of there. Because all <laughs> they go do you need it toasted? No. And, I, <laughs> and I'm out of there. That's true. Plain food, man. It does save time. But uh, speaking of stadiums, I also another big thing about your baseballs and the baseball card. I mean, you love you love to play your baseball card game. Um, would you have a favorite baseball card set that you had, like your complete set that was your your go to or your number one that you've ever had? I have. I could reach for it now, but the the box broke and it would fall over. I have a set. I'm going to do something on Box Score Heroes. Gonna I'm going to go through it. It is the '87 Donruss Opening Day, which they released wow. I think in August or July of the '87 season for like twenty bucks. For as a kid, twenty I had like a twenty-five cent allowance. I think I had a fifty cent allowance by 1987. I had to save up my ducats to get it. And it's weird because '87 Donruss is a great design. That's the the main set is the black borders with like the yellow baseballs maybe in the middle. Yep. This is like a maroon border, and they just released a complete set of cards of everyone's opening day lineup from 1987. And on the back, it just gives a little. Daryl Strawberry wants to prove himself. He went two for three. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I was born, sir. That I like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, doesn't make me feel ancient at all. Uh, <laughs> I've always loved that set. I also love my score 88 traded set, which was a set released uh, later in the year. All the players that changed teams. I think Craig Biggio had his first scorecard in there. So those, those are the kind of sets I like. I still love 87 tops. Uh, it's just the wood grain border, just a good classic design. That was a good one. I think I had 86 tops is my favorite, I think, too. I like those ones. I think Top, yeah, yeah. Like top, that was very nice too. So, all right, cool. I actually did have a question earlier on. John Mariano popped in, wanted me to ask you who your favorite Montreal Expo was. My favorite Montreal Expo, oh, Mariano, yeah, he's nice. What a jerk. Um, <laughs> no, John, John and I share a love of the Yankees. Uh, my favorite uh, Expo of all time is Gary Carter. That's my favorite player of all time. Former Mets, Gary Carter. Former man, go to the Mets, and that's where I really started watching him was with the Mets when I uh, started watching baseball. Uh, but Expos, Gary Carter, but also Tim Raines, Rock Raines, uh, Andre Dawson, Tim Wallach. Uh, I like Spike Owen. And then my Spike. My, I used to say my second favorite player, but that's before, you know, Don Mattingly's up there and Derek Jeter would play later. But I loved Mike Fitzgerald, who was a catcher. I think his number was 20 for the Expos. He was traded over um, in the Carter deal for the Mets to the Expos right. with Boyd Yeomans and everyone. And, uh, and he, well, you think he'd be Brooks and Fitzgerald. I love, and the guy was always, he was, a, he was an average player, good catcher. And I got to see him play live a few times when the Expos came to town. Um, so I got to see him go one for four, the double down the line in 89 on the day, uh, a Bartlett Giamatti died. Um, uh, was at the stadium there visiting. So yeah. Um, and Delano to shield to rookie was playing there too. So uh, Mike Fitzgerald. That's yeah. great. I love Spike Owen myself. I mean, I'm a, you know, you're a Yankee fan. I actually am a Red Sox fan, but I uh, love Spike Owen when he came to the 86 Red Sox to solidify them for the uh, the 86 run that they had and their great runs. Actually, this is actually great. I have a quick game I'd like to play. One one question only. Um, okay. Three together is looking at it. I love speaking of like Spike Owen. I love baseball player names. Mm. So I want to give you a list of five five baseball player. Well, five names. Four mm. of them are baseball players, and one of them is made up. I want you to tell me which one's the fake one. It's Bobson Dugnut. It's the fake one. <laughs> All right. We got Cannonball Titcom. We got Johnny Ugly Dickshot. We got Razor Shines. 
Pussy to Bow or Knocker Jameson? So the only one I know for sure is real is Razor Shines. He was an expose outfielder. Um, yes. What's the first one? What was the first one? Cannonball Titcomb. If that's not real, I need it to be real. Um, <laughs> I, co I coached Little League, and there was a star pitcher in our league, and his name was Sterling Cannon. I'm like, what What? What do you go to the majors now? Um, all right, read the other. I know Razor Shines is real. Uh, okay. I remember 89 Tops car. What are the other four? Okay, it's Cannonball Titcomb, Johnny Ugly Dickshot, Pussy to Bow, Knocker Jameson. Oddly enough, I'm going to go Knocker Jameson. You got it right. That was the big name. <laughs> that was the big name. I, mean, that, oh I wonder where, where Paul got the idea for the last name Jameson. That's oh, true. Drinking, what am I drinking right That's now? True. I'm actually out. That's my problem. I was like thinking about it. It's on my mind because so I had to make a Jameson run later. <laughs> I will say, Paul. He decided to make it a little more difficult. Paul, uh, Paul pitched this game, no pun intended. Paul pitched this game to me earlier today, and he, he shot out names. And coincidentally, I happened to get most of them right, but those were not the names that he said. So I feel like he went oh. back and tried to make it a little I did, I had a few others. I had Urban Shocker, which is an actual real name. Yeah. I had uh, Pete Lecoq, which I think you, you might knew that one. That's the Kansas City. Yep. Uh, and the other one, Shooty Babbitt was the other one I came up with, found. That's right. <laughs> right. I love him. And then who can forget Rusty Koontz, who uh, – I was I was actually pretty proud of myself for knowing that one. So I come I come from a baseball family. My there brothers uh, played baseball their entire lives growing up, all the way up into college, all of that good stuff. So I had um naturally I had a disdain for baseball. <laughs> <laughs> uh I grew up I grew up in red dirt, right? I mean my feet were were yeah. red growing up. So um I, my, but my family is a big old baseball family. So whenever we were getting ready for this episode, I went and uh, I had already had this binder because I promised my mom that I would eventually go through it, but it's a binder and she has a shit ton of baseball cards and like, it's just a binder full of cards. Like, it's nice. Josh Procuga would lose his shit right now. Oh yeah. Some diamond Kings. That's 80 yeah. million dollars right there. I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That look at that. Top left. Bo Jackson. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you showed me the Wade Boggs earlier. I was so excited. Wade Boggs was my favorite player growing up. And the Yankee card in here. I thought that was hilarious. PLD, how the hell are you? Are you a Red Sox fan? I'm, I'm upstate in Albany, New York. It's actually equidistant. So I, ended, I used to go to Fenway more than ever went to Yankee Stadium for whatever reason. My parents went out to Boston. Um, I go to, I've gone to both. I love both stadiums. I mean, so, so I, mean, I have a good time. <laughs> I get it. Uh, Eddie Haskell's in the chat. Uh, that's my Yankee fan brother, along with Mariano. And, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, my, it's funny. My brother actually is a Yankee fan. So that's got a very, really troubling. 2004 was very troubling for us. So to, <laughs> <couldn't> <laughs> I, I, that game, game four, I was at the Ice House in Pasadena doing a stand up comedy set. And most comics in LA are from Boston. So I had to watch that stupid game and a stupid inning. With Robert still in second with a bunch of Boston comics. It was a nightmare. Oh, I'll the Boston comics that. Oh, they must have been in your face on that one. Holy shit. 
<laughs> I did. My brother actually after game five, I think he's like, I don't know if we should watch these last couple games together. I'm like, maybe not, maybe not. We made it past the next month. You know, we're we're okay again. But <laughs> that's good. That's good. All right, that's fair enough. Fair enough. Asked, answered. You know, fair enough. All right, all right. Now I think it's time for this or that. If you've ever seen the show before, this is where I'm going to give Ken option A or option B. And he will answer how he pleases. He can ask for clarification if he'd like, or he can make up his own clarification. Um, you guys can throw some in the chat if you'd like, and I'll see if I can get to some of them. Of course, after that, we'll be questioning this from the chat, so you can start thinking about getting those ready. Um, but without further ado, we have some, of course, that are written every week. Uh, they're the same ones we ask every guest, and there's some that I have, of course, tailor-made for Ken. So without further ado, the first one we always ask being an action army called action podcast. Are you my friend? Are you team guy or are you team trader? It's only one right answer. Oh yeah. I'll definitely go guy. Yeah. I'll definitely go guy. <laughs> that yeah. was the right answer. And we can continue this interview. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me wrong. Ben's great. Uh, but the day I saw him post a picture, he was in a, like a speedboat. In a suit. I was like, I can't support that. Um, <laughs> I go guy. Yeah, I always thought it was, it was this day we posted this on Twitter. We were like, that's not the guy you can really get <laughs> out there, right? <laughs> uh, good. Wearing my shirt that we made for that, where we took that photo and made shirts of it for Ben's live performance in New York, his debut live performance in New York. Yeah. We're five minutes in the crowd having that shirt on. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it is a good sport about it, though. All right. Like, they're both good kids. Uh, good kids. Like they're 10. Like, what did I say that made me? <laughs> Good kids, those guys. <laughs> I say it's uh, daddy's fault because she's making us feel ancient. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, looking forward to more. This is actually this or that or this. Mandalorian season two, Cassian Andor, or the Obi Wan series. Ooh, uh, wow. Um, I've always been more excited for the Cassian Andor series, but that was also before Kenobi was a series i was a little privy I, I do not like star wars scoop culture especially right now so let me clarify and put that out there i was privy to some of the stuff that may or may not have been in the kenobi script of the movie uh, i'd heard some stuff i don't again do i know 100 true i do not know I, I want that clear i do not know but i'd heard some heard some things you know i got some friends who worked there and da, 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 and i was really excited i love kenobi and i think that movie is just um we had a lot of potential, and I think the series has even now more potential. So I'm excited for that. But it's weird. I, I love the character of Cassian Andor. Love Diego Luna in Star Wars. Love what it can mean. I love that era. That's my favorite era. Uh, the Kenobi thing would probably fall roughly in that time, too. But I just love I love the rebellion against the Empire, and I love what it can mean. I love the potential characters. I want to see Inthus Nest. I want to see Sagarera. I want to see Mon Mothma, which we, I believe Genevieve O'Reilly has been cast. Yes, so, I grew to really love Mandalorian. I was always excited for Mandalorian. I'm excited for new Star Wars content. Yes, give me a sh new show every month. I don't care. But I was Mandalorian. I wasn't as keen on. I was a ah, bounty hunter thing, man. Even the Mandalorian thing's not my huge, my, my favorite thing in, in Star Wars. Um, so let me just see. Um, and then I, I, I hesitate to say this. About a month or so before, I had heard about the child. <laughs> and... I didn't believe it. I was like, no way. Like, what is it? So there's right. an episode 
episode of of Jedi Council three weeks or so before the debut of Mandalorian. I go, what? What are you going to tell me? There's a bunch of baby Yodas in this show? <laughs> Making <laughs> reference to this thing I've been told. So when the first episode came about, I was like, holy, oh, they did it. Uh, and then that series is so, what I was worried about, and I'll go into a little bit more here. There's no limits on this, right? Um, we can talk. Okay. Um, right ahead. So I love the series. I love what they did with it. Um, I was a little worried going into it that it was, uh, you know, it was uh, a, a gunslinger and it's dirty and gritty and it's adult Star Wars and it's dark. And I was like, that's not Star Wars to me. I love a little dark. I love a little gritty. I love Rogue One's got some dirt. Revenge of the Sith's got some darkness. I love that in Star Wars, but that the spirit of Star Wars is morality tales to 12-year-olds and fun, zip, zam, zoom, adventure. Um, so I was like, uh, yeah, all right. I mean, okay, I'm definitely here uh, for it. And then series starts, and the volume is this technological achievement. Uh, I love it. But it looks a little different. It takes a while to get used to it. Uh, I had also had known that Pedro wasn't in a costume, and so I was just like, I'm not connecting to this character as much as I thought. Yeah. And then by end of episode two, I'm in at a Phoenix airport with Christian Ruvacaba. We got stranded in Phoenix for 10 hours. We were going to D.C. to do comedy with Mark Ellis, and he was on a separate flight. Our plane, <laughs> this weird gas leak that almost knocked out the pilots, and they landed in Phoenix. And, uh, we, uh, we get off the plane, and we're in Phoenix. And so that was the second episode of Mandalorian. I was like, all right, let me watch. And I was like, this is weird. This is a weird episode. And it gets to the end. And I was moved by it. And I thought, this is a tone poem. And this series is about something else. So the series becomes about our programming. Uh, how can we rebuild ourselves? How can we redefine ourselves? How can we find ourselves? The core of that series is Quill, the Ugnaught, uh, explaining how he rehabilitated IG-11. That's the heart of the show. And that, that sequence, which I've seen some people make fun of, why we got to see this droid go through physical rehab? That is the show's beating heart is... We are programmed with what we are imprinted with, and you can overcome it with time and practice and everything, and it's a rebirth. And I love what the series has got going on. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited. Some of the rumors, again, I don't really follow along the scoops as much anymore now that I'm not on council. I don't have to. Fourth Center, we don't really address the news until it's official or maybe we feel it might have some merit or just we want to have fun discussing. Ah, Lando series, sure, whether or not we think it's real or not, we'll talk about it. Um, so there's a lot of things rumored for season two. I'm so out of it this time. I do not know a damn thing, and I'm excited for what it's going to mean. But if I have to choose and I have to play your silly little game, Paul, yes, <laughs> you do. I'll choose, uh, believe it or not, I'll choose Cassie and Andor. That's great. And that's actually funny. Molly, I asked Molly the same question. Molly Damon was on our guest last week, and she said the same thing. And you don't hear that very often amongst the fans. A lot of people have kind of forgotten Cassian, but I'm all on board, on board too. The Cassian and the K2SO camaraderie is just, it's yeah. fun. It's fun adventure stuff. I, I love it. So it's, it's the rebellion as it was formed in reality. And, you know, Cassian Andor, Cassian Andor was a separatist. He was raised by a separatist family, doesn't trust the Jedi. Uh, and yet here he is because he has to get in a fight, and this is the side he's choosing. And, and there's just so much stuff there. And I, I, I don't want to create my my expectations, uh, false expectations. I love the character of Infus Nass. Infus Nass is an amazing design, amazing character, and represents a different kind of oppression in Star Wars and how the rebellion can come up from the ground and how it can come from uh, the need for survival and come from a different thing than a military point of view. So I'd love to see Infus in there as well uh, and Saw as well. 
That'd be great. That would be great. And, and that, again, uh, like, like the fact that it ties in, it could tie into both the current era. It could also get some more tie back to the prequel era. Like you mentioned, the separatists, and that's where he came from. Some flashbacks there. It could be a real good reuniting of the whole saga, which I like. Reunited, and it feels so good. Hey, Molly Damon's in chat. Yes. Yeah. Molly, it's like 3 a.m. in Atlanta. Go to bed. <laughs> So I'm a very fringe Star Wars fan. I've seen all of the movies, and that's and I read the Timothy Zahn trilogy, and that's like the most Star Wars that I'm. And when people started talking about Cassie and Andor, I thought they were two characters. <laughs> and I was like, "That's that, okay, all right." <laughs> Cass, Cassie Andor, Cassie Andor, yeah, okay. Cass and Door, right? Cass and Door. Uh, the Phantom Menace announcer Fodzenbead. Yeah, just uh, two two characters in one. Yeah, that's <laughs> perfect. Awesome, awesome. Well, you know, I'll stay on the Star Wars page. I'll go old school in this one. Uh, the Ewok Adventure or Battle for Endor. So funny. We're actually going to do a deep dive on Force Center on these movies. Uh, we're going to look at it the Force Center way and find some themes. Which one? So, second one is Battle for Endor with uh, Wilford Brimley, rest in peace, and Teak, which is Nathan Hamill's favorite Star Wars character. Um, but I will go Caravan of Courage. That's the one I remember a little bit more and was affected. As that's got the was it the Gorax in it? Gorax, yep, that's what. Uh, it was. Which is canon because uh, my friend Jen Murrow wrote the the Gorax into uh, uh, um, uh, Destiny, uh, Force of Destiny, the animated little short series. Yes. Um, I was terrified by that, um, and quite frankly, terrified by the Ewoks in that movie. Uh, um, yeah, I'll go with Caravan of Courage. Caravan of Courage. Okay, I'll go with that. Gonna, and Sindel, what Sindel is uh, the young girl in it? Those rumors that Phasma was Sindel were great. Um, <laughs> and I have a, I have a friend, uh, Madeline Rue. She's a, she's an author. She's written some Warcraft stuff lately, uh, and uh, she also wrote a, a short story, Eclipse, in the first Star Wars from a certain point of view oh. book. And uh, she is a big Ewok fan and a big fan of Sindel. And I've always always texted her, like, when are you writing the Sindel book? She's like, they'll, ne they'll never let me do that. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that, though, because occasionally it feels like they're freer to do that stuff. Like, you feel like these guys are they're, they're, they, they grew up with it, too. It's not just like Lucasfilm. It's like these guys who grew up on Ewok Adventure. You can almost yeah. see them bring in these things slowly but surely into, into canon. So they might not do it very overtly, but sometimes it's just yeah. like little Easter eggs here and there. It makes them canon. It's a lot of fun to look for when you're getting old yeah. like us. Yeah, it is. All right. Uh, how about this? We'll go back to a little baseball favorite. Was it Upper Deck, Donruss, or Score? Um, I yeah. will go Score, and the Score came out swinging. I loved early Score. I will say Donruss. Oh, for for being consistent and premium before we knew what premium was. Love Upper Deck. Upper Deck changed the game, but that also is kind of the problem. It changed the game, and it made the cards more expensive, and it just kind of – I started to get priced out at my local baseball card shop. So I'll go Donruss. Okay. Right. I only know that reference because that binder is full of Donruss. That <laughs> 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 uh, was one of the first cards. Like They would always do some – like try something new, like a hologram or a foil yeah. or a – and it was like sometimes it worked and sometimes it was just awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> All right. I'll go back to a little food. How about another one we do every week? Loaded fries or poutine? Never had poutine. Uh, God bless Canada. Oh, Canada. Um, loaded fries. Yeah. We love, uh, as Grace calls them, pigtail fries. We'll order some pigtail fries in the house. 
Uh, so I love those. I've switched to mostly veggie and vegan, uh, about 60, 67% veggie and vegan right now. Still reserve the right to get a steak at a steakhouse. Um, it's, it's done wonders for my health and all that stuff. But uh, fries, potatoes, it's good to go. I'll take loaded potatoes. Okay. Perfect, perfect. When Mark Ellis was on, we had like a 30-minute conversation about like potato products, fries. Yeah, if you've yeah, if you've never had the pleasure of going on a road trip with Ellis, uh, he's got it down to a science and uh, knows his way around an airport like no one else, uh, other than George Clooney and up in the air. Like Ellis is a great road guy, and and, and it's got some rules. He got some rules. You don't mess with Ellis's rules on the road, and he knows how to do it. That's all right. I did have a couple of this or that's the chat. There you go. Ben Rayner wants no alien or predator. Uh, predator, predator. I ain't got time to bleed. I even <laughs> predator too. Uh, there's a one as a sex moment early in the movie that scarred me for life. It's <laughs> <laughs> a young nut child, but like a young kid coming up, like that's what I got to do. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Uh, go a little wrestling one for you. Okay. Dynamite Kid or Davy Boy Smith? Davy Boy Smith is my all-time favorite wrestler. So, yeah, uh, yeah Davy Boy, uh, Roddy Piper, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart. Love those things. Demolition was my favorite tag team. Uh, Davy Boy Smith, uh, especially in 1991, when he came back for his little solo run. And Wembley Stadium, SummerSlam 92 is like my favorite right. match. Uh, you know, he had some demons, and they ended up getting them there. Uh, yeah. I had a chance of meeting his son, uh, Harry. And an elevator in Vegas uh, at this thing I go to every year, the um, Cauliflower Alley Club. Uh, I've never met his daughter, Georgia, uh, and I've met his wife, um, uh, what is it, Dan Hart, uh, at, at the Cauliflower Alley Club. So, yeah, I just love David Boy. I love his style. I love what he could do, especially with the – I love Dynamite Kid, though he was a you know, uh, known curmudgeon a-hole. But uh, yeah. I love the British Bulldogs as the team. But David Boy Smith, I didn't, you probably didn't know that. That's my favorite wrestler of all time. Wow. I did know that. I was kind of asking before I was, I was talking to Billy. I'm like, well, I don't know. Do you know who his favorite wrestler is? Because looking to do a wrestling one, I was going through, like, should I do Hart versus Michaels? I was like, no, I think we should do. And he's like, we should do old school. Like, yeah, I'll we'll do Dynamite Kid versus Davey Boy Smith. And see it. There you go. So I was a big British Bulldogs fan of her. Like, WrestleMania 3 was my first big yeah. one. Two, WrestleMania 2, when they won the titles from Valentine. And oh, yeah. his, his son is very talented. Um, he had a little mm -hmm. run in WWE, but is now massive in Japan. And, uh, yeah. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, yeah. part of Suzuki Gun, and he's—I mm. mean, he's like massive. He's a huge guy. He's—he's he's, yeah, like nobody's business, and yeah, six five. But yeah, yeah, no, uh, um, yeah, he's great. I love—I loved uh, when they had the Hart Dynasty and Italian Natty Nightheart and, and Tyson Kidd. Yeah, it was a good run, but uh, you know, WWE's got a style, and you got to work for those styles. And I saw him wrestle in Los Angeles at a convention type event, Wrestle Reunion. And he put on a wrestling show, and the crowd was chanting. And he was after he had just got cut from WWE, and that's just kind of the way it is. Hogan used to go to Japan and put on, you know, moves that you wouldn't see him do, and that's just right. the way it is. But uh, yeah, a good, good call. Love it. Uh, that was the other one actually from earlier on. Then Gilberto Campa wanted to know Hulk Hogan or Randy Savage. Um, Savage, I oh, love Savage. Uh, Hogan did what he did for the industry, and and you know, I know he's kind of persona non grata, and some parts of it understandable. Um, Savage, uh, I just, uh, you know, if I keep joking, but when I wear my lightweight beanie and my beard's grown out and I wear those glasses for the showdown, like it's just me being uh, later stages savage. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. The uh, internet, 
Ali Nakina, do you have a favorite WrestleMania match? Because I'm bringing up Savage. I'm thinking a lot of people's favorite WrestleMania match is that Savage Steamboat from WrestleMania Three. That's what he's talking yeah, about. It's great. It's 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 kind of how you how you experience them experience them. And I, I'm a wrestling fan now. I haven't really watched for a couple of years regularly, but I watch the pay per views and I, I keep up every day on the news. I just don't watch Raw. I just didn't have the time to fast forward through three hours of Raw every, anymore. Um, so a lot of the Undertaker matches, the Michaels matches. I, I'm a big fan of Triple H, and I think he, he's an old school wrestling guy and doesn't get a lot of credit for that. So there's a lot of lot, lot, lot of that kind of stuff. But man, I'll tell you what, Hart and Piper at WrestleMania eight for the Intercontinental title, a lot of his emotion, great story, great finish. The Wembley Stadium SummerSlam match with Bulldog there. But Bret Hart uh versus Owen at WrestleMania 10 was a, a great one for me in that first ladder match with Razor and Sean. A lot from that era that I, I did love. And and for what it's worth, um, you know, uh Ultimate Warrior Hogan Skydome WrestleMania 6 is is legendary for a good reason. And I I was I wrote that um Sports Wars documentary podcast series uh, earlier this year. Me and Nick Mundy worked on it for uh, 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 Wondry. We It was uh, Austin versus Rock and their rivalry. It was a five-part series. If anyone missed it, it's on Spotify. You can catch it out, catch up. And I wrote most of it. Nick, Nick and I helped the research. I had not I, – I wasn't – I didn't watch all the time in the Attitude Era. And so I, I watched. I loved Austin. I, I loved, loved him as stunning Steve Austin. Uh, and so – and I appreciated the hell out of the rock and still, and he's one of my favorite. I bought the XFL. Like, all right, now I'm interested. Like yeah. um, I never really watched the Hogan rock, uh, WrestleMania. What was that? 18 match 18. Uh, in Toronto. Was it 18? Yeah. Or 17. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure it's 18. That's one of the greatest matches of all time. And it really is. That's one of the lessons on how to do wrestling and how to tell the story in the ring, call the spot in the ring, but also adjust on the fly. And two guys who just know how to tell the story. Wrestling is a story. Wrestling is is putting over the next moment, the next move, putting over the finish, putting over the next uh, the next match. That was what it was, and it was pretty impressive to watch. And so I had not really watched that. I'd seen it. I'd seen clips. I'd seen it once. You know, I experienced it again. Sat down to study it for this this podcast and was like, yeah, this might be this might be the best match I've ever ever seen. It, it, it was the perfect storm coming together. The electricity that the crowd of Toronto has always been a big place for Hogan anyway, of course. But the idea that you know, I heard it about afterwards. They had this one story in mind. They got out of the ring, and all of a sudden, everybody was like just chanting for Hogan and making the rocket a heel. They had to do that like on the fly, quick flipping. Yeah. And just two professionals who just knew what they were doing, and it, it was an amazing match. It's one of the ones I always think about, too. Definitely my top three. So, yep. Okay, so I have a I have a, a a cheat this or that. I don't have options, but I I'd like to know as the resident. <laughs> Do you have um, a favorite song of Ice and Fire House? Yes, uh, the the nights uh, the Night's Watch. Um, <laughs> there you go. Yes. There. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and people always would be um, people always. You have like, a coat of arms. Yeah. You want, yeah. You, you want to go up there. And in the cold, and not talk to anyone, and and uh, you know, not be around uh, any romantic relationships. And you know, now I'm in a very happy relationship. But when the show started, I was like, "Yeah, that sounds great." boys. I love the Mormons. Yeah, I love the Mormons. House Mormon, but your Mormons up there at the Night's Watch uh, is interesting. It's so integral to uh, John Snow's journey and the why of John Snow. Um, and, and that show, not the book series. And you know, I, I've read the books. I'm a big fan of the books. Uh, come on, George, finish writing the books. Um, 
But in the show, the lesson of Jon Snow it, it is not about the the how and the what and and the victory of the Night King was not his to have. The throne was not his to take, and that that he wanted to take, he, it was his to take. Probably literally, and the fact that Jon Snow ends the series walking walking north with the free folk uh, and the fact that he dies for those people in season five by telling his brothers, the people we've been uh, tasked with defending the realm from aren't our enemies and we need them south of the wall with us or we will not survive. And I'm willing to die for that. That's powerful stuff. All kind of comes out of the night watch. And I love, I love the character. Alistair Thorne, who is crying. It is part of one of the reasons Jon Snow died. Alistair Thorne is a great character for me. And, and, and I love him in leadership, good and bad. There's some great moments. His speech on leadership, to Jon Snow in episode, uh, what is it, eight Watchers on the Wall, season four? Uh, you know what leadership is, Jon Snow, and says a bunch of bad words, but um, so I love it. Uh, outside of that, not to cheat, Danny, outside of that, um, I do how Stark's hard not for, for me to like. Uh, Terrell, I'm a, I'm a Stannis Baratheon fan, oh, uh, he, yeah. he's one Stannis of my favorites. Stannis. You're a Stannis Stan, I am a Stannis the Manus guy, and uh, yeah, I absolutely. Absolutely love Stannis. And, you know, why wouldn't look at Stannis? Old, crusty, really grouchy guy who kind of uh, cohorts with a red-haired fire witch. Like, <laughs> you're talking, now you're just talking about my life. <laughs> his relationship with the Onion Knight and how, like, yeah. it gets start, whether he, like, he smuggles food in to save him, and that's how they get saved. But he still takes his fingers because he was a smuggler. Like, yeah. that's Stannis to a T. Like, yeah, I, I love Stannis, and 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 what I love about the the story of Stannis is it's a, it's the last one, and 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 you know I used to do uh, the Game of Thrones uh, show on Screen Junkies Plus, uh, and me and Michelle Boyd would host that together with with uh, Trish Hirschberger and, and Spencer Gilbert, and you know Michelle's always giving me crap for rooting for Stannis, which is fair. Um, and <laughs> that season that he kills his daughter, you know, or lets his daughter be burned. There's some great moments of Stannis earlier. And I was like, right, everybody, right? And, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'll sit down now. <laughs> but the story, this is all the other things that people did in that in that series. Like, that's the worst thing anybody did. Yeah, no, it's it's worse. But here's the thing. I always talk about this on Four Center with Joseph. And Joseph's big thing is engage with the story presented to you. And my big thing is the why. Star Wars doesn't want you to ask how or what. It wants you to ask why. Mm. Why? The story of Stannis Baratheon is a guy who has done everything right. He just wasn't popular. He wasn't loved, but he's done everything right. So he has a sense of what is given to me uh, or what has not been given to me. I want, I deserve it, but you know what? I'll do what I'm told. And then this red fire priestess shows up and says, no, this is your destiny. Take it. He becomes consumed with what he thinks he deserves. He becomes consumed what he thinks is his right. And he does some great things along the way. And he might've been a bad King to work for, but he probably would have been a good, fair and just queen, uh, King. Um, so his the story of Stannis Baratheon is losing yourself, uh, being consumed by your desires, and I love that because that's the why of Stannis Baratheon. That's why it's important. There's a lesson in that, and and you could probably get me started on how much I love season eight and how much I love the point of a lot of it is the lessons. When Peter Dinklage says, "You know what? You shouldn't have done. Got a tattoo of the Dragon Lady after four seasons. We're telling a story." The story, and there's lessons in there, and the lessons are Danny's mistakes, but also, more importantly, what was done to Danny, a woman in this world. You should be disgusted with, you should be upset, and you should consider it tra tragic. That's part of the journey in the story. It's the why of Ga Game of Thrones, it's the why of these stories, and why I love them. Why, uh, uh, how did the Emperor come back? That's not the point. The point is the Sith never let go, they never transition, they never move past, they can't even give up themselves, they can't give up death, and Palpatine needs to hold on to that to the very 
very end until it destroys them. Like those, that's the lessons. These are modern myths. Uh, that's why we watch them, you know? And, and so Stannis is my favorite character, both just on screen, but also what he means to me. Nice. Oh, my, my personal favorite character is Wyla Manderly from the books and from yeah. the Davos chapter when she yeah. gets the, um, the North Remembers speech in that. So that's one of my great favorite stuff. Great I, love, I love little, little Finger. I just love watching him scheme and watching him coming from like this little, little island. And he's such a, you can he has these great ambitions. He just wants to make something of himself. You can see his journey has been one that he's he, he's been shit upon all his life in a way. He's trying to make a big deal for himself, but you know he's making bad decisions now because of it somewhat. But he's so clever as well. It's just yeah. a great story to watch. I love and, it. And, yeah, Game of Thrones does uh, Song of Ice and Fire does. There's so many things that you you ask. We just uh, we were talking over on my Casterly Talk podcast of you know. The honor of Ned and John would John would Ned approve of some of John's decisions? And it's a it's a hard question to answer when you really dig into it. Because yeah, he would, of course he would. But also he was stubborn to a fault and lost his head for it. Uh, and and John adjusts. I, I was asking we uh, my my great caller Eric Monroe just called him with this question. We're big fans of Mance Raider, both in the books but in, in, in the show. And in the show, you get so little of him, and it's like, well, was Mance Raider wrong for not bending the knee all the way back in season five when he was a uh, captive? And it's like, well, no, listen to that speech. But then you got Tormund in season seven going, how many, how much, how many people died because of his pride? And it's so, it, it, and uh, there's no straight answer. You have to go to the themes and the lessons of the of the characters, and I love it. Best part about it is there is no right answer for anything. It's all, and, and you see things from both perspectives, which George Martin does so well. Like you had Jamie Lannister introduced as such like a prick, and all yeah. of a sudden you turn him around, you see it from his perspective, and, and you see a totally different character in a way. But it, it, which one's right? Both of them are right. Yeah. With, with season one, when Robert and, and Cersei are talking about their marriage, holding the kingdom together and everything there. And that's it's not even a book scene, by the way. So all the uh, arrows that those guys don't know how to tell a story. That's that's stuff that's in there. That's great. Uh, and I just love it. I mean, I have so there is a wrong answer in life, though. And it is if you're against pineapple on pizza, you are wrong. You are actually wrong. You have to deal with that before uh, the Lord, your God, when you meet him. <laughs> I'll prepare myself. I'll do that. <laughs> All right. We do have a few more. We'll do one or two more. Then we'll get into <laughs> we'll get into the into the chat questions. Uh, let's see. One, one more wrestling question I had. Better commentator. Better probably better foil to Gorilla Monsoon, really. Jesse the Body Ventura or Bobby the Brain Heenan? Oh man, come on. Like, uh, like even I get this reference a little bit. What do you go? What, what's your answer, Danny? What's your answer? Heenan? Yeah, well, I mean, that's yes, that's the answer, but uh, it's very hard to. I have a lot of good memories of, well, you know, Monsoon of uh, Ventura calling matches. He worked very well and, and knew the business so well. So, but Heenan, Heenan's great, man. Heenan. I, mean, I will say this: would, he work with anybody. You put Heenan in any commentary team, and it's it works. Uh, there was something special about. Um, Jesse the Body and Gorilla Monsoon, like the way they I mean, played with each other. Um, uh, even, was, even, yeah, Ventura and McMahon. Vince McMahon was underrated for the time. I mean, he was very of a certain era, but I love Vince too. And just, yeah, you know, you know, McMahon, just uh, Ventura going after McMahon too is always the best. So. <laughs> my favorite commentary call of all time is Bobby Heenan during the barbershop window scene with Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty when he's like, oh, they're getting back together. And then he goes, oh, I knew he was going to do that. <laughs> when he throws through the window. Oh, it's he's going through the window. 
always always some words of wisdom from bobby heenan and uh you know uh what uh, as what does he say that one time it's like the old saying goes what the hell use the bell it's just that turn out some good ones too and like this you know you know what if you can lose if you must but always cheat i will end up with one more before we get to the chat questions del taco or 7-eleven Oh, Del Taco. No, uh, I love I love 7-Eleven. Um, I just had a bad experience there the other day, though, with my local local one. Uh, Del Taco. In fact, I am upset at Mark Ellis and Josh McCuga for we have an ongoing text thread uh, that if we ever published, we'd be probably thrown out of the business. But um, we um, they've never been to Del Taco. And I know it's what? mostly it's mostly West Coasty, maybe in some other spots. So I know some of you haven't had the opportunity to go. They go to Taco Bell and it's like. Okay, you're just wrapping barf in a tortilla. Uh, tortilla. Tortilla? What am I? I that sounded horrible. Tortilla. Uh, Del Taco is fresher. It's zestier. Uh, it's bolder. And that double Del cheeseburger is, JT will agree, it is the most underrated fast food hamburger. <laughs> perfect, perfect, perfect. Yeah. There it is. Ever in the Hampton Roads area of Virginia, Ken, you'll love it. We don't have a Del Taco, but there's more 7-Elevens here than any other store on the planet. There are yeah. literally 7-Elevens across the street from each other Same or next here. door. I'm excited. <laughs> I want to get to the ones in Japan, too. Kelsey's got a great Del Taco soft shell, soft shell chicken tacos um, are so good. I When I worked a graveyard uh, job in like 2000 2001 i had those almost every night it's what i was eating them while i saw what i believe is a ufo so i connect del taco to a lot of great moments in my life <laughs> all right all right well that'll end this with that you survived your experience congratulations ken on that That's and, great. so now uh, danny what, what was your favorite house i didn't i, I didn't ask you uh i think if i get into my head favorite house had to choose it'd probably be dane house dane Oh, sword of the morning. Yep, that's right. Oh, yeah. It's a good house. It's a good character. And I actually love that moment in the show. I thought they, you know, for giving you a tidbit of something that's much bigger in the books, so I was like, oh, I'll take it. I, I really liked that they gave him uh, double swords instead of just like the big long sword. I felt like that uh, that gave people who weren't familiar with the books an opportunity to understand that like Arthur Dane is, is he's the shit. Like that's the dude right there. So yeah. you, you got to watch out. So yeah. I was really glad. I, I liked that they did that in the show. And I saw a lot of people were really upset that they gave him a, a two double swords instead of a big. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I wish you good fortune in the wars to come. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. So questions. You can start asking your questions. Get your questions in the chat, and we will get going with them. Uh, before we do that, of course, we will talk about the podcast this week. What's coming up this week while we're waiting for your questions? Of course, also Streamlabs, too. Throw those in there. Super Chat and Streamlabs will always get priority. We have a couple of those already in there waiting. Um, but let's talk about this week. We have Wednesday. We have Schmobates, the next episode of Schmobates. Uh, I'm going to be intergeekdom related. Uh, we don't have an official thing until we uh, official set list on our co-host with Alex. Uh, we haven't confirmed that, but it should. if it is who it's supposed to be, it should be, definitely be a fun one. Either way, it's people debating about the Schmodown. It's one of our favorite shows of all time. So please get there for that on Wednesdays. And then the Sundays we have on. Yep. I'll just bring her on now. Sunday, we have this woman, Kelsey. How are you doing, Kels? Good. How are you guys? She's always here behind the scenes. We love her so much. 
And uh, we want to have let her know she can talk about her show on Sunday. Yeah, of course, you'll see me on Call to Action Live every Sunday. We'll be talking about all the fun matches we've had each week and predicting things that will be coming. Plus talking about basic news and having discussions and tangents that go on for hours. So it's always a lot yeah. of fun. <laughs> and we also we have started streaming on Twitch. We had our first stream last Thursday. We don't have one set up quite yet. We're kind of playing by ear a little bit. That's our totally non-schmodown talk. I mean, well, we say totally non-schmodown, but it tends to come up every once in a while anyway, because of where we're all from, pretty much. So we all found each other. So it comes from. But what's on we do have a little talking on that. We had a good long episode last time, some guests. Uh it'll be a fun time to get to know us more on a personal level, which is uh, a lot of fun. Uh, finally, we'll announce uh, next chill, our next episode of Chill to Action next week. I'll just play Kelsey's little ad because it's a good one. It's a good We have Mark and Draco coming next week, so that should be another fun one in our team. We saw him on the Action Industry Show last week. He have a lot to talk about, so a lot of fun there. So, and I'm getting word from Jake in the chat, and he'll know more than he's because he does does all our thumbnails. He'll know more than we do. Eric Zipper versus Robert Parker. That's a great IG theme show, mate. That's going to be great. That's going to be fun. So, all right, Kelsey, we uh, leave it to you to start right. bringing up. Questions. Perfect. We do have some stream labs to get to, starting with one from Will McLean. Okay, big question here for Ken. Are you ready to admit dark mode is a superior phone mode? No. <laughs> no. And shout out to the dark mode sisters, Lauren Romo, Christy uh, Baldrop McGee, uh, even Grace. Uh, I know, um, I think the door, if, if you're still in the chair, I think you're uh, mistaken on your choice of, of dark mode. Uh, yeah, um, I don't. I've, I'm light mode in literally everything I do. Uh, I'm like Qui Gon Jinn. I, I go towards the light side. Clean, I uh, I purchased your book from you in Houston, Ken, and then handed it to Will McLean because it was for him because he had no money on him, and uh, so that he could get your book. <laughs> I, I do remember that. Yeah, you're see, you're truly presidential. <laughs> 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 I met you, Ken, and I want to thank you for your positivity to Star Wars. And that's when President Bill Fortier came up and said, Oh, is this your uh, space book? <laughs> <laughs> Not, wrong. Not wrong. You Not weren't wrong. wrong. <laughs> Never wrong. All right. Next question is from Jake Yacoveta. Paul Denuso, born and raised in New York, but a Boston Red Sox and Chicago Bears fan. What in the actual fuckity fuck? So that we just had that comment. <laughs> uh, I'll answer that one. Uh, Paul's been a flip flopper from an early day in his life. Uh, he flip flopped a lot of stuff, and he just happened to land on the Red Sox and the Bears when he was done flip flopping. 1986 was when I started liking sports. My friend was a Red Sox fan. We went to Fenway together. That was that did that. 85 was also big Bears. Chicago Bears, the best defense of all time. And the Super Bowl shuffle went over a young kid very easily. So I was a big Willie Refrigerator. Very fan and Walter Payton fan from that year. So that's why the Chicago Bears happened. <laughs> you're, you're, you're wrong about what's the best defense of all time, yeah. but it's fine. Anyways, moving it's on. Great. Your wrong opinions. The Ravens yeah. in 2000. It's fine. Kelsey, we have 
All right. And then we have one from D train. Uh, this is for Ken. What made you choose Bonnie Somerville um, who has zero wins and three losses over Rebecca McKendry and Scott Mance and JTE. The tournament. Sure. Uh, that's, yeah, a, the D tournament. that's a great question. And, and D train, because that's a great question, I'm going to give you the most honest answer I can give anybody. Uh, Christian called me and told me Bonnie's in the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't tell you how many times uh, I uh, would get a uh, gotten a message and say, "Hey, I need I need your players for the tournament." And I I, I write back, "Who's on my team?" Uh, <laughs> I, love, I love Scott Mance. If I if I had known Scott Mance was on the team, would have from. However, uh, you know there were some other I, I I don't know who Rebecca is, but I, I think we're having trouble getting hold of her. I don't know the whole story. And the, but 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 I, I give it jokes aside. There was a little bit of an opportunity for me to say no. Uh, I know Bonnie. Go back, Bonnie. Uh, away with Bonnie. Um, you uh, the, the match hasn't aired yet, right? Uh, she's um, she's a great person. But here's the thing: it's important for me to have uh, female competitors in the tournament, and so uh, I wasn't going to switch one out for another. You know, I was like, it, it wasn't going to if 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 Rebecca wasn't available or whatever, I wasn't going to be like, yeah, bring in Scott and everything like that. I love Scott. I love JT. They'll have their opportunities. It was important for me to to make sure Bonnie was in there. That's good. That's amazing. All right. Another question from D train, uh, kind of hard to like Stannis after he let his daughter get burned alive. I don't care what he has done or if he's misunderstood that guy deserved to die. Wished his death was more brutal. Wow. Yeah. No, but, true, but that's right. That's Fair right. Enough. He got, what, he got what he deserved, which was the lesson there is his, yep. his wife killed herself. Uh, you know, down, yeah, absolutely. I always though, whenever someone says that like someone in, in game of Thrones got what they deserved, I always wonder well, who's the character that you like that like who's the happy like, yeah. flower character that you know you so to as the Game source of life. Yeah, yeah. Game of Thrones, the TV show, has completely ruined my TV experience for anything. I I don't trust any characters in any <laughs> TV show that I watch now. Like I'm just on always. Everyone's gonna die, yeah. so. That's what Game of Thrones did to me in my TV viewing. But it, it affected itself because in season seven, when not enough people died, people were like, rah, rah. And it was like, well, that, that, that's that's not always how it's, it's supposed to go. You know, yeah, no, I know what you mean, though. I know what you mean. It's actually launched an entire genre of fantasy fiction. It's the like kill off the main, like, main character to fantasy fiction, like that, like, so you, so you know the stakes are high. I mean, that's like basically what. Why he kills off Ned? Uh, George R. R. Martin has said that's why he killed off Ned Stark in the first book. Yeah. So that then, from the, any tension from then on, is you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And yeah. it worked like, pretty well. Indeed, <laughs> letting Arya kill the Night King. Not a fan. <laughs> Not a fan. <laughs> Next question is from Brandon Buckingham. What would you rather see, Solo 2 feature film or Disney Plus show? Uh, I'd rather see Disney Plus show. Yeah, I, I still, I, I think it's unlikely still, but who knows the land? You know, there's all these rumblings. Uh, they, they are in a contract, so uh, that'd be fine. Uh, yeah, I, I, I love the movie very much, as I think a lot of people know. Uh, I think with less pressure, stretched out over more episodes, you can spend more time with those characters. And, and I think now people, uh, thanks to the Mandalorian, uh, they're used to seeing uh, Star Wars in that way now, and they're actually hungry for it a little bit. So uh, I'm fine with that. I'll take that. Awesome. All right. I also Next think in a TV show, they build those characters more than in trying to 
introduce and then flesh out a character in a 90 minute movie. So I would agree. However, that's what shows like Game of Thrones and high premium television have done. Now in a movie where you're just you're doing probably a really good job of that. Now people are like, oh, I'd like to spend more time with them in a bar. Like yeah. that's, a, that's a movie that you got two lines to do it in, in, in a show where we, we are viewing tastes have gone towards shows. Yeah. Right. Yep. For good reasons. All right. Ben Rayner asks, uh, hey, can I question, do you agree with Christian with Vader being in the Obi-Wan show? And do you feel he has to be in that show? Uh, yes, I do agree. Um, <laughs> and I think it was going to be a key part of the movie. Um, <laughs> here's what it's about. Here's the quick pitch and i do not know if the show's going to follow this i don't like to create those expectations the idea of kenobi in the desert was about a man who about seven years in uh had just watched the fall of his order had just watched himself fail his uh his uh his brother who he believed then was the chosen one why do we then find this guy in the desert who's protecting luke who he now believes is the chosen one now george lucas will tell you anakin's the chosen one so there's the answer but obi-wan the character believes that luke is the hope at this point he even argues with yoda about it uh who, who wanted to train leia um so what we're getting is a turning of the page for the kenobi character how does he move on with his life move on with his failures and focus on what's in front of him and what's next so part of that to me would be him going if he can sense it if he can feel it if he has any inkling that that guy in the cape is anakin and i don't know you know the details of that I, i'm not worried about it you figure it out when you go but if he goes to confront him one last time and it actually syncs up in in return of the jedi obi-wan once thought as you did doesn't in return of the jedi doesn't sync up as much as you'd think to a new hope if you really think about it Right. Yeah. Or could think up, you could pull moments from Revenge of the Sith. Maybe, maybe that's what Anakin and Obi Wan talking about. And I think we're fine with those as fans. But to me, it's not going back to the well. It's exploring this wonderful character and this switch and and, and moving this chapter forward in his life and moving his, this chapter forward in the galaxy. And that is what I think why Vader belongs in that story. Same page. I'm on the very exact same page for that. So. From your lips to Lucasfilms. Depends, I guess. Oh, we'll see. The show. I, I'm going to follow the show wherever mm -hmm. it goes. Oh, I will as well. I will as well. Yeah. Now I really want to see it where Leia gets trained by Yoda. I really want to see that. <laughs> yeah, if you guys haven't read that, it's it's in the book, uh, the the New Hope version, from a certain point of view, the 40 year anniversary. It's got a bunch. It, there's got some weird stories, some wacky stories. It's canon, but you know they play with it. There's some great stuff in there. I mentioned the Matty Roos story, Eclipse, which is about Breha and Bail Organa's final nice. moments before they die. It makes me cry. It still does. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, the the Yoda on Dagobah and Obi-Wan kind of shows up and, the, and Yoda's like, yeah, I got the perfect Skywalker to train. Her name's Leia. <laughs> and Obi-Wan's like, <laughs> hey, we need to go this way. It's fascinating to me. It's fascinating. Gosh, it is good. All right. Next question, also from D Train. Who would win in a sword fight, Erwin or Jon Snow? Hmm. Well, that's a good one. Um, Snow's rough, man. You know what I mean? Like, he's got a lot of experience growing up. Roderick Cassell uh, probably taught him really well with some good irons. Aragorn, though, man, you watch him, you watch him, especially Fellowship of the Ring, where he's just like, cool, Frodo, you go. I'm going to take on these 100 orcs. We'll see what happens. Uh, I, I think, uh, I just, yeah, I. And I think Aragorn, again, at these points that we know them in their stories, Jon Snow's one of my favorite characters, but what's some of it, you know, he's he's stubborn, a little bit like his uh, father, quote-unquote father, Ned, but also 
his little rash. He, that, that epic shot of snow facing down Ramsey's army, which is beautiful. It's be more beautiful than almost any movie shot I've seen my entire life. Love What's the shot. moment there? What's the problem with that? John didn't follow the plans and he <laughs> tripped up emotionally and he ran headlong into trouble. He was going to die. He wasn't going to come out of that. He was going to die. He got saved. Uh, and then Sansa saves his ass again a little while later. That's part of the why of Jon Snow. It's not all hero stuff. Uh, it's learning. So as far as we know, Aragorn at the time that we see him in the movies, I think he's more calm, collected, more centered. He's more of a Jedi. And I'll take Aragorn. I think it's a good call. I agree. With I will well. say Jon Snow is one of the best desperation fighters. So if it's in like, if, if he reaches that point of desperation, that's when Jon Snow thrives. Yeah. Well, so, well, dirt in the eyes kind of thing too, a little bit down and dirty, I think. Yeah. 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 And, and, and and just so you all, I'm, I'm not rushed. If, if you finish up some of these questions, I know I told you guys about 10 off air. We're good. Finish up what you got here. Okay. Thank you. Kind of okay. appreciate it. Thank you. All okay. right. And then we have a uh, stream lab from Ferris, which just says, hello. So <laughs> hello. <laughs> there's Musana. Uh, he just re, uh, re, re stepped up in uh, my Patreon page. He's in the boardroom and I really appreciate his support. Ferris. Good guy. Me with that. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. Neither does anyone else in the general shed. I'm so that's sorry. General, as well. Shut the fuck up, Ferris. That's what you usually say. It's always with good love. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then we had a question from Bador asking, how are the puppies? Uh, the puppies are okay. Baxter hurt his foot. And so he has like a little ankle problem and it gets better and then it gets worse. And we were on a walk. We Sundays, we try to go for it. It's been really hot in Burbank. Try to go get a morning coffee, and and he heard again. He, he yelled, and we had to carry him home. Luckily, we have the dog stroller, so we can put the two chihuahuas in the stroller because Ratsy can't. She has some arthritis issues, but the dogs are good. Um, uh, Ratsy pee, uh, pooped on the floor today, and actually pooped in a circle and pooped herself into a corner. Honey, <laughs> like how do I get out? I've created my own prison. Uh, I, have a, I have a pit bull and she's a little older and she hurt her leg at one point and would yelp and we would pick her up and put her on the couch or whatever. Unfortunately, yeah. she didn't realize that if she yelped from at any point, she we would just do whatever she wanted. So now she's no longer injured, but she will yelp every <laughs> once in a while, like when she wants to get on the couch or, true. you know. This is true. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's you know Schmodown live events that we don't talk about. Like three o'clock in the morning, you know, it's you know, crazy things happen. Very true. Very true. Uh, what happens at the action house stays with the action, action house as well. Right. That's fair. Oh. All right. Next question from Molly Damon. Favorite Star Wars explained video. <laughs> Whichever uh, one. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Especially in the early days. Um, I forget when you guys launched, Molly. I forget exactly. But it was like when I was in doing the Jedi Lion stuff, that was the first time where I was like really looking at Star Wars YouTube. And and now it's it's an adventure I don't really enjoy. But I found Hello Greedo pretty early on. I found Jen Landa. That's how I found Jen Landa. And I ended up uh, when Maude left Jedi Lions, I wrote Jen was like, uh, hey, you want to come on the show? And, and, and thought maybe she could co-host. And then she showed up like eight and a half months pregnant. I was like, well, she's going to be out for a little bit. Uh, and that's why I ended up bringing her uh, to Force Center and, and her, me and Joseph created Force Center. So um, I just remember the early days of stumbling on, I think it was Star Wars Minute, 
And Alex is just, there's something about Alex when he was those voiceovers, just kind of simple, factual, uh, charismatic in his own charming, you know, Southern Georgian way, I guess you could say. I just really love the information and just the more I spent time with uh, his videos. So there's nothing specific that I, I can point to. I love what I love because when I read the books, I love the Star Wars books. We have to review them and, and discuss them. I will. Joseph is better at like, oh, there's something, a, a character or something. I'll write a note down and I'll research it. I just read and read and read. And then I close the book and then I bring up Star Wars Explain and I go, all right, 50 Easter eggs in Thrawn. What did I miss? <laughs> 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 I just don't forget um, I'm gonna steal this, Teddy. Yeah, and that's that's what it is. And then and then get yeah, as I talked about earlier, getting to to meet Alex and Molly in person in uh, 2017, and uh, they're just they're just great. And uh, um, you know, there's there's a lot of great people in the Star Wars communities out there. And there's some bad eggs there too, but you just kind of focus on those who you connect with and have a connection with. Uh, Black Series Rebels, who are now going beyond just Star Wars, but Alex and Steve and Cisco are three of the best dudes in this business, and they are they are in this business. They're actors, they're producers. Uh, those guys, uh, Cisco produces like uh, the show Ridiculousness. He works on that one. I mean, they just they know what they're doing, and it's just you love connecting with those kind of folks. Uh, and it's not necessarily your shared views because there's some things Alex and I will text like he'll come out of a movie and be like, I don't know about this. And I'll be like, let me tell you why you're dumb. Um, and uh, he loves squadrons, <laughs> Fallen Order. I, I do not love Fallen Order. I just don't. I just didn't connect with the game as much. Love parts of the story. Didn't love the game. He loves it. And so I just love that me, him and, and Molly can have a, a nice Mexican food dinner in Burbank. The last they were two like the last people I saw in person, I think. Uh, and I just love what they do. Greedo, hello, Greedo, too. I know what he looks like without his mask. And um, he's just a, a great chap, too. And uh, I just love that. So I support them fully. Always some of my favorites. And those those Easter egg videos are, are what I go to a lot. Nice. I love them, too. They are great. Oh, next question. Uh, what is your favorite Saturday Night Live movie, Dirty Works or Coneheads or another movie? Um. So I love Dirty Work. It is a it's a built oh, on good. Saturday Night Live, uh, directed by Bob Saget, Norm Macdonald, Fred Wolf's in it, uh, Jim Downey. So many, uh, you know, is it a direct Saturday Night Live movie? I don't know. Uh, but my favorite Saturday Night Live movie is Wayne's World. That came out. Uh, Paul, you, you and I, we're, we're right there. That came out tenth grade. No, God. that <laughs> sketch was already one of my favorites, and then the movie came out. It's the greatest year of my life, and I love Wayne's World too as well. Um, but uh, I love, love Wayne's World so much. That's a great one. I love him. Yeah. Chris Parker's in Dirty Work. He has my favorite line of the entire movie when he uh, picks the uh, the fight song on the jukebox. And it's like, he's, I can't remember what he thinks it's going to be, but it's, it's, do you love pina coladas or whatever? Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Dirty Work's like one of my favorite. Like, it's not a good movie, but I love it. <laughs> I was gonna make a joke. It's a perfect Norm McDonald movie. Like everything in that movie is his oh, yeah. humor. Oh yeah. Note to self. Don't get your ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we just beat up all those guys and like got in a fight and beat them all up. That really? No, actually the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Love that. All right. Next question is best yacht rock album. Doobie Brothers, Minute by Minute, Steely Dan and Christopher Cross self-titled. Uh, uh, it's Christopher Croft's uh, self-titled yeah. Doobie Brothers. Uh, I love a little bit more. Mark Ellis will actually get mad if you talk about the Doobie Brothers 
Uh, and I'm not a huge Steely Dan fan. I do like some of their bigger hits, but uh, I don't like them overall. I don't like jam bands too much. But uh, Christopher Cross, Sailing, come on. That's Yacht Rock. Takes me away. Where I'm going, Sailing. Yeah, love it. All right. Here's another <laughs> this, this or that. A Hard Day's Night or Spice World? Who asked that? Let me tell you something, Ryan Kramer, if that is your real handle. Uh, you, there's some things in life that you just can't choose. I am a giant Beatles fan. Uh, me, Mance, Inman, Roka, we all love the Beatles. We'll all hang around and talk about the Beatles. Love Hard Day's Night. It's an art piece. It's a beautiful film. It's just, it's fun. It, it's early music videos. I legitimately love the Spice Girls, and I legitimately love Spice World. I think it's a really funny movie. I think it's silly, stupid. It, it's not it's not like a great movie, but it, it's like it starts and it's like, hey, hey, everyone, this isn't going to be a great movie. Are you ready? Cool. Let's go have some stupid fun. <laughs> um, I just love it. I do love the Spice Girls. Uh, I got to uh, provide an impromptu security detail for Posh Spice once at my old job. Uh, and I couldn't have been happier. And uh, just, uh, yeah, it's silly. Hard Day's Night is the is the answer. But I'll take Spice World. Yeah. Spice up your life, everyone. People well, everywhere. Spice up your life. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yes. All right. Question. A favorite Dan Marino moment. Mine is the fake spike. I've been a Dolphins fan forever. I'm glad they were starting to take the right steps, especially since Brady is out of the division. Yeah. Uh, that fake spike moment is amazing. It's still one of my favorite moments. Um, favorite Dan moments. When he came back from the injury, uh, I was really affected when that Achilles heel tore in what 93 I wore, I had a big giant. <laughs> this is probably why I didn't have female companionship I had a giant, and I'm wearing my, uh, my Octo radio shirt. Alden Diaz there uh, support Alden. Another great sports kid. Um, I had a big Dan Marino face. It was like a helmet. It was this old, they released a lot of them. Paul, you might remember that era too. It was, just, it was Dan Marino. It was this big. And I, the day he got injured on a Sunday, right? And I go into school Monday morning. I have Zubaz. I had my Zubaz, Miami Dolphins Zubaz pants on. This black dolphin shirt with Dan Marino. And I taped on it. In Marino, or long live Marino, in Scott Mitchell we trust. <laughs> oh, my God. It's going to be okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I don't take football that serious anymore. Uh, <laughs> and that's probably why. Um, but, uh, when he came back the next year, I just loved it. Cause Dan, Dan was back and it was hard when he retired, man. I, I love the dolphins. I love Brian Flores as a coach. And I love, I, I never watched with the same intensity after he retired in 99. Just never have. I just yeah. love that you, that you had a pair of Zubas. Um, they well, are I the most comfortable pants yeah. of all time. Yeah, I'd I love to have many pairs right now. Huh? Yeah, I see people are wearing them and they're and they're kind of back in style in that hip, hip ironic way. I wore them to school, mother. Boop. I am <laughs> in a yearbook picture in them. I, I have. I, I also have a yearbook picture in Zubas in a class picture. I'm wearing Redskins Zubas with my Redskins starter jacket over top of it. Class yeah, and a Redskins hat, of course, because that's that was me. Oh, yeah, imagine I, orange, orange, uh, teal, and white just barfed up on pants that are kind of sweatpants, and I wore them to school, and I let them take a picture. Oh my god! 
similar uh like adolescence to you ken uh just maybe a little later i was in my zubas and my redskins gear trading ecw tapes at lunch um you know while while other people were talking to girls i don't know what that was all about um, yeah no need you don't need to know my, my proudest dan marino moment is uh understanding and knowing who he was when i first watched ace ventura i knew <laughs> I knew. Fair. So I was very proud. I was very, I, I got the reference. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. That's all you need to know. Laces out, Dale. Laces out. Next question. Hello from the Reactor Brothers, as spoken of in your Star Wars tourney promo. Where did the idea for that promo come from? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Chris. Thank you. You guys do great work. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I touched upon it a little bit earlier, but here, yeah, it was like, I knew, I mean, you know, if I if I ever don't want to do something and I tell Christian that and it's like, he won't do it. So I don't want to ever have the idea that he forces me into something there, but he's very, he's got his plans and, uh, you know, I, I do love a good promo and I do love the limelight. I, I wish I was announcing, me and Ellis announcing, uh, no, no shade to anyone else who comes in. I think a lot of people do it well. Brad Gilmore Christian does it well. Um, except for when he's counting and, and, and staring off and dead, dead, watching Dan Merle lose. Um, I, I just want to announce Ellis and I want to be minor league baseball announcers and that's our dream. And I love doing it with Ellis. Uh, well, that don't clip that out. Um, actually I you clip it out. I'd stand by that too. Um, so, um, the promo itself, I just was like, all right, if I'm doing this, let me get back in the ring and, and talk about it. Um, and I just set up, uh, the camera. Uh, at a lav mic up underneath my mask and and um, just, you know, poured myself a, a cup of water and said, because it was kind of hot out. And I said, let's go. And that's it. I didn't plan it. I shot it one take and I just knew I was going to cut in some stuff. So then I, I taped some cut ins with the Ewok and everything that I knew I'd cut into the, the promo, but I didn't, I didn't plan it. I just, it's, it's your story. It's your story. That's the Piper way. That's the Jericho way. That's old school wrestling. I don't need a scripted promo. Uh, at the days of the shoots, Christian will be like, can you just touch upon this stuff? And I'll be like, yeah, uh, let's do it. Um, and he trusts me fully and I trust him to, to, to use it properly for his, his, his business there. So that's where it came from. Chris it just came from the truth. I felt, uh, I felt I was being thrown to the wolves. Uh, everyone knows I'm not going to, I don't have the time or desire to study as much. I think the game changed in 2017 for the better, but I love I, my favorite, the, my favorite schmodown thing is the documentary on JT. That's how I wanted the schmodown to be in my head, but that, that would have been small. It needs to get bigger. So I'm not complaining, but I just like, I love that era. It's like, all right, I feel I'm being thrown to the wolves. I'm, I think people are going to build on my name um, and, and use it. So that was that. I did study that. I, I'll say this right now since this is kind of a Schmodown adjacent kind of uh, broadcast here. I was a little upset. I, I studied. Bador, who's in chat, got on a Discord voice channel with me. Uh, and we did a stream, I think, on YouTube Unlisted for my Patreon supporters. And she ran me through 300 or more questions. And I'm telling you, I was in 95% range. Wow. And I 100% was watching the matches leading up to my match, and, and Christian would text me every day after the match, how'd you do? And I was like, perfect, perfect. It was perfect every time. So when I got to my match and I started missing some stuff, um, I have a philosophical difference with some of the questions that they write in Star Wars, and PJ and I have talked about it, and I love PJ, and I love Chris back in the day. Like, PJ's great, so it's not a, it's not 
I just, I just don't like the way they write some of the questions. I think they're what I call the, the pause and write. How many droids are burping on the screen right now? I paused it. and Oh, you don't know that? Like, that's not Star Wars knowledge to me. Um, but that's the game. So, But I studied. I just lost. And I told Ace before, said, I, I want you to win because I love you. But I respect you too much to not compete. Um, and that's that that all went into the promo. I felt it was weird. And I felt people were, were you know, I don't watch a lot of the shows. I don't I, I feel bad. Sometimes people come up to me at live events. And, hey, I'm from the so and so podcast. And I have to be like, good luck with that. Um, I just don't I just don't. Right. I'm, I'm making content. I don't listen. So I feel bad. But you're all doing great work and you're all making this community something important. But that's where I just was like, everyone, everyone out there, they're riding on the Schmodown coattails that I helped build back in the day. And uh, I'm coming back, uh, but I'm probably going to lose. But whatever. You're still afraid. And everyone was still afraid, you know, because you don't know what I know. And, and, and we played it up. And, and I, I was bummed because I did miss a little bit more. I missed the solo question. There's the, the Jar Jar. I, that's the, the, the example of what I don't like of what did Jar Jar say when, you know, describing, you know, and the answer is Gungan City. Yeah, I probably might have memor uh, remembered that on another day, but it's like, Oda Gunga is the name of the city, and that's Star Wars knowledge to me. Right. That's trivia knowledge. I don't I don't like the pause and rights. Um, but that's, again, I, I, I never want anyone to think I have a problem with PJ Campbell because he's, he's not only just one of the sweetest people I've ever met, he just works his ass off for, for whatever they pay him, and, and he's got to do what he's got to do. Um, so... That's where I was. I, I was so I was bummed. I was bummed. I was uh, some of the even promos afterwards. I, I I thought some of the tone was a little unfair to to what I do. But but it, it is what it is. It's, it's all love and fair and war and schmodown. So it's all right. I get it. We all love PJ here. We're, we're friends with PJ and PJ does work his ass off. Him and his whole team and his whole team. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. And then our last question we'll get to this evening is how long did you wait in line for Phantom Menace? And is Ellis <laughs> correct on the time? <laughs> He was incorrect. He was incorrect. Um, so uh, there was, let's see, Phantom Menace. So there was the ticket sale. Uh, I, I waited about six hours. I got off my shift at 3 a.m. And I went over to the Winneka Theater, Pacific uh, Theaters, Winneka 20 or whatever it was called over here in Winneka, California. I uh, waited in line out there until the morning. I got heat exhaustion, not stroke, but heat exhaustion. It's hot in the valley uh, a lot. Mm -hmm. And we were in direct sun, no shade. You know, nowadays, you know, you, there'd be pop-up tents or, you know, the, the people would be like, oh, people are going to wait. You know, back then there was like, hey, a bunch of nerds are waiting out for tickets. And I did uh, buy my Phantom Menace tickets there for about four, six hours, four, to, four to six hours, I think I waited. Uh, and then I waited at midnight at the Toys R Us in Port Ranch, California for the figures. I waited a couple hours there. But Phantom Menace itself, it was just a couple hours because you had the tickets. The only thing you didn't have was the seat, no assigned seating. So uh, I was there a couple hours at the same theater. So that was all. But Alice is joking. And uh, <laughs> yeah, spiritually, I waited for 20 years. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that's going to do it then for tonight, right? Ken, why don't you yeah. good folks can find you? Well, hey, uh, you can find me uh, at KenNapsock.com. That's my website. That'll take you to a one-stop shop to everything there. Uh, the Patreon page. Uh, seriously, I'm, j I'm joking with Fares. You know, he's he's a good cat, and I love him on my Twitch stream, and uh, love seeing his name pop up under the high tiers. Got a lot of different tiers. Everyone knows the Patreon drill, uh, but we got a lot of different shows. And I would say, you know, we're in a I'm in a consumer direct to consumer kind of line of work right now, uh, and and we depend on your support. Uh, we really do. 
don't let Ratsy go hungry. But no, the best way to support is just listen and get the word out and spread the word. Uh, you know, um, that's all. I have four center afternoons. Box score here with my new baseball podcast is is starting small and that's expected. But it's like uh, the best way you can support is just be there for all of us. And uh, that's quite frankly one of the reasons I came on this show. You know, uh, I'll say it plainly. Like, I don't know all of you too well. I know President Belford really well. I've studied his life and played it. But it's like. I know PLD specifically, all of you, Kelsey, have you a lot of a lot of people just love what you all do. But like I know PLDs in the corner of a lot of the people who are who mean stuff to me. And that's also part of the support we love. So every once in a while you get a bad egg like John Mariano. But, uh, you know, but that's the way you can find me. Kennapsock.com is the easiest way. I'm not on I'm not on Instagram and Twitter as much as I used to be. I've decided to pull back and not be as active on there. I'll promote stuff. But um, you can find me in those spots. Great. All right. Uh, well, to say, Billy, where can we find you, Billy? Uh, you can find me uh, when I'm not doing my presidential duties on Twitter um, at Real Donald Trump. I mean, at Mr. Billy Belford. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm at. And uh, that's it. I'll be ranting and raving at Call Live or Chill to Action whenever they let me back on this show. So, <laughs> Kelsey, how about you, girl? All right, you can find me at KelseyKins90 on Twitter and Instagram. Also on the Call to Action Podcast Instagram, so you can interact with me there. Public, we've got merch. We've got masks. Wear your masks. And I also now a Twitch affiliate, so if you want to watch me play video games and do watch-alongs and things like that, it's at KelseyKinsGamer. Okay, and then I'll tell you where you can find me, at Paul underscore Denuzio on Twitter. You find me also on Class Action every week, which is the Action Industries YouTube channel, Ben and Drew. I do a show there where I put up basically this or that, but as in movies or franchises or actors, we did Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation versus Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol this week, and next week we're going to do Mission Impossible 3 versus Mission Impossible Fallout, a little mini Mission Impossible tournament. Um, and you can also find me, I've opened up my own YouTube channel, PLD Projects, slowly building content. Right now you can find me reviewing the sci-fi franchise from the 80s, V, which was my favorite saga at the time, episode by episode, and all the books and comics involved there within. Um, and eventually we'll get around to the the Harris stance, the Ed Harris, I walk you through every movie that Ed Harris has been in because he's the greatest. That's right, y'all. And of course, you know me, it's your girl Danny Joy here. You can find me on Twitter at Danny Joy D A N I E E J O Y. You can also find me here every Monday on Chill to Action on the Call to Action Network. Um, you can also, if you want to go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel, go ahead and do it. Uh, I've had a very rough day today. I had to take my computer in, and it's not going to be done for a month. So I'm working off of a different computer that I don't normally work off right now. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Subscribe to this channel, Call to Action. Go to Ken's uh, Patreon and his uh, Twitter, everything else that you found from that, everything else from all of that, from everyone else in here. Oh, I never know how to close these things. I'm always the worst at this. <laughs> so bad. I'm so sorry, y'all. Thank you to everyone inside of the chat. Um, we are on episode 47. That is correct. True, that is correct. 47. So we're almost there. 47. So we got a few more episodes for you coming up. And then we are celebrating our 50th episode slash one year anniversary on Chill to Action. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us for over for almost a year now. Can't believe it. It's been nuts. A whole year. So thank you to everyone inside of the chat, to everyone inside of the Schmodown family, to every from everyone at the Call to Action Network. Thank you all so much. And as always, we Salute you. How many more times can we get out of here before 
Call hits and broadcast. Let's see. Click, 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 click. 